Welcome to the I Am Vinyl podcast. My name is Pete LaRussa, and I'd like to thank you for tuning in here at cnjradio.com, or if you're a subscriber via Apple Podcasts. And today's episode is following part two of our KISS Roundtable discussion, which was released on January 14th, 2020, in which we discussed Destroyer, Rock and Roll Over, Love Gun, and Alive 2. And today, we're discussing KISS in 1978, first with the double LP compilation, Double Platinum, followed by the four individual solo albums. And as you'll hear, we have a slightly different panel of guests today, as Mike Scandato did not join us for this go-around, as he wasn't very familiar with the solo albums. And this time, we have Tommy Lombardozzi joining us from the Jacked Kirby and The Hoof podcast. And similar to Ron Valdez, Joe Malazzo, and Mike Scandato, Tommy Lombardozzi had helped out on the two Spacebeard albums, in which he provided some lead vocals and background vocals on both of our records, while Joe and Ron had handled some artwork and design for both records, and Mike Scandato sang lead on one of our tracks on our last album, Gone. As for the personal significance of these albums to me, Double Platinum was a part of my initial childhood set of hand-me-down records, and if you listen to the needle drop at the beginning of every single episode, that actually comes from my childhood copy of Double Platinum, right before the opening track, Strutter 78, which we also used that sample on the Spacebeard album, Gone, right before a song called Never Spin Again. As for the four solo albums, I had three out of four in my initial childhood hand-me-down collection, with Peter Chris's album having been given to me, along with Gene Simmons' solo album. A few years after that, I recall being at some random discount store with my mother and finding a small bin of cutout albums, in which I found an original copy of Paul Stanley's solo album with a cut corner for $2.99, which I asked my mother to buy for me. And this copy also came with the original poster and merchandise order form. For some reason, Ace Frehley's solo album eluded me for years, and I wouldn't even get a copy of that album until I picked up the original CD in 1990, eventually to be followed by picking up an original copy on vinyl, and then later on in 2014, picking up the 180-gram vinyl reissue. Along with our discussing Double Platinum and playing our collective favorite tracks off the album, and then discussing the four individual solo albums, I had also asked the panel to compile their three favorite tracks off of each of the individual studio albums so that we could put together a 10-song album with the scenario of what if Kiss hadn't released the four solo albums in 1978 and had instead decided to release a brand new studio album in 1978. So we compiled a 10-song album together and sequenced it towards the end of the show. And after we had recorded all this commentary, we had decided via text discussion that we would title this album Phantoms, since Kiss would be releasing the movie Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park by October 28, 1978. So without further ado, 
let's get to part three of the I Am Vinyl Kiss Roundtable Discussion, in which we discuss Double Platinum and the four individual Kiss solo albums. Welcome to part three of the I Am Vinyl Kiss Roundtable Discussion, and today we are covering Kiss's 1978 output, which is Double Platinum and the four individual solo albums. And today I have a slightly different panel than parts one and two. To my left, I have Ron Valdez. hey And right in front of me, we have the newcomer to the group, replacing Mike Scandato for this time around, Mr. Tommy Lombardozzi. Hello, hello. To my right, we have Joe Malazzo. Hello, hello. You guys have had some time to digest these albums. I'm still digesting. You're still, <laughs> yeah. I'm actually regurgitating. <laughs> yeah. Really... What happened with? Uh, <laughs> with... Sorry. What happened with Mike? Ah, just, why is it? He's uh, he's, he, he's not a, he's not a solo album oh, okay. or a double platinum right. guy. So yeah, he just he's... figured he'd sit it out. All right. this time. Well, thanks for inviting me. Of course. Look right. forward to talking it up with you fellas. The Kiss Double Platinum Album, a tribute unprecedented in music history. Here's Neil Bogart. For the success story of the decade, Casablanca honors Kiss with Double Platinum. Gene Simmons, Paul Stanley, Peter Chris, and Ace Frehley. 20 Double Platinum songs remixed and brand new Sputter 78, Kiss Double Platinum. We're going to start off immediately with Double Platinum, which was released on April 2nd, 1978. And as part of Double Platinum, there was one brand new recording included on the record, the opening track, Strutter 78, which was engineered by Mike Stone, with the executive producer being Jimmy Iner. The overall album producer was Kiss and Sean Delaney, and the executive producer was Jimmy Iner. The remixes themselves were done by Mike Stone and Sean Delaney at Trident Studios in London, England. Hmm. The album design was credited to Howard Marks, which was Kiss's business manager from 1976 to 1988. As with Kiss albums prior to it, Double Platinum would come with a bonus item for fans, this time in the form of a miniature platinum plaque from Kiss, and it would also come with a Kiss Army merchandise order form. And the only single that was released from Double Platinum was Strutter 78, which was released on April 2nd, 1978, and peaked at number 89 on Billboard's Hot 100 singles chart. The album is currently certified platinum as of May 16th, 1978, and the peak Billboard album chart position was number 22 on Billboard's Top 200 Albums chart. Before preparing to film the infamous TV movie Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park in May of 1978, and while the four members of the band were either beginning to record or preparing to record their respective solo albums, Kiss would release their first best-of compilation, entitled Double Platinum, containing mostly remixes of tracks selected from their first six studio albums and one lone new recording, Strutter 78 which featured more of a disco overtone than the original version from their debut album from 1974, thanks to the inclusion of 16th notes on the hi-hat, and which also features more guitar solos by Ace Frehley. It's been somewhat of a mystery as to who exactly played on Strutter 78, besides Paul Stanley and Ace Frehley being the most obvious on the track. 
Remixes on the album range from being nearly identical to their original versions, to having some differing nuances, and then really straying from the original versions with some odd editing choices. Additionally, there was not a lot of time for Mike Stone and Sean Delaney to work on these remixes, as they were said to have been done over a period of just a few days to meet the deadline set by Casablanca Records for the album to be released on time by April 2nd, 1978. What was the, what did they have to, was it for Easter? Like, why did they have to get it out so... The, the, the iron was hot. The iron was hot. I guess. The Kiss iron was hot in 78. So, like, we gotta get this out, this greatest hits out, very, right now. Not even, like, Christmas well, time People were anything. buying crap, and they I just guess, wanted yeah. to sell more crap. Well, it's, it's, I think it's <laughs> also, it, a... I think it's also because <laughs> of the, the plans that were in the, the making movie, with the movie, the and then the solo right, albums, yeah, and yeah, also right. there, there wasn't gonna be a, yeah. a, a Kiss studio album. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in, in simpler terms, the iron was hot. Gotcha. You know, yeah, like, yeah, everything yeah. was happening with Kiss, so they just wanted to... You gotta remember, too, the years before, they were releasing two records per year, yeah. so... Like, we're gonna release these solo albums, let, let's release a Kiss album, but people don't realize, don't think, like, they're fucking breaking up or right. whatever, you know. Why buy four albums when you can buy five? Yeah. <laughs> and a shit movie. Actually, six, because there's two in Double Platinum. Did this uh, album come with any little... It came with knick-knack. a... Oh, Double Platinum. It came with a... It came with a... Like a, a plaque. Like a plaque, yeah. It came, like, it came with a mini placard. It came oh, with a... Oh, it was like a sheet certified... Of paper. It was a sheet of paper. It was like a certified... Yeah. Uh, authenticity... Right. Uh, Were any of these songs really. previously... I mean, it was just a printout right. of, like, a, of like what you'd, what you'd see, like, at a... On the wall, platinum seller. Yeah, yeah. I gotcha. Just a printout of that. Yeah, okay. you can write your name on it. Or yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. This Yo, this printout belongs to <laughs> this <laughs> sucker right here. Spent money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so my, my question was: Did any of these tracks that appeared on this album did any of them reach double platinum status? Well, yeah, no, I, right? I, no. You know no. what the, the funny thing is? Do that great. The album didn't right. even go double platinum. Yeah, that's right. Weird. Were the albums before it even double platinum? Uh, no, I know Alive uh, was. Them were, Alive think, was. Destroyer was. Well, Alive was quadruple platinum. Well, this is this is what but the certification. Over, yeah, over, we, we don't know how much more they've sold since they were less but certified. Also, like, well, at, at that point, at that yeah. point too, was it already double or triple platinum? Alive then? definitely was. Yeah. Alive was quadruple platinum. Alive was quadruple platinum. I think. I think Destroyer was like triple platinum or if not double platinum <clears throat> Love Gun and uh, Love Gun and, and Rock and Roll Over were platinum by, the, right. by that point yeah, right. Alive, right. so they did have some yeah so they weren't all double platinum though Alive 2 was platinum by, by this time as well so. the first three albums were nowhere near no I think the first three mm-hmm. albums were still gold at that point if, yeah, right. they still haven't been certified platinum the, the first three albums well if we put them all together really? it's double platinum yeah right yeah. <laughs> well there's two vinyls in here so it's uh, you know, platinum each <laughs> So let's uh, let's talk about the the favorite remixes um, between all of us, and start with Tommy. Start uh, with the new guy. I don't like any of them, to be honest. You with didn't me. like any of the remixes? They seem like cheap ways to make different song, like a different version of the songs. So you have uh, what's the Peter Chris song, the country song? Uh, Hard Luck, Luck Woman. Yeah, Hard Luck Woman. They, oh, so they leave the drums out of the first verse. <laughs> And that's and then they add some of the like extra singing at yeah, the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That it's like a cheap ploy to me, you know. Uh, the worst one is fucking uh, Black Diamond where they tack that bullshit at the end. Like it's kind of cool to have them go back to the quiet singing at the end with the acoustic. Mm-hmm. But then they they put in the hit it and the thing yeah. and they exactly. Fade it out. It's fucking terrible, you know. Yeah. It's a dumb idea. That's one of my least favorites too. I think a couple of the songs have. They don't really sound better, but they have a dirtier, 
quality to the mixes, which doesn't necessarily make it sound better or heavier. It just sounds kind of cheaper to me. Like, like tinny, you know, like, like they tried to make it sound more aggressive, but it, instead it wound up sounding like, sh- like a shitty quality. And Trident Studios, obviously a huge mm-hmm. studio that was, you know, doing, putting out great records, you know. So right. that must be a result of the rushing, you know, of them having to get it done really quick, you know. And then they added, like, all the shaker, you know, like they added some... Right, extra... it was a chop job, basically. Yeah, basically, was, yeah. Right. That's they, why it just seems to me like... like how can we make this different? Yeah, Nothing okay, was improved right. upon. Everything was kind of like, uh, you know... Let's just do it. Yeah, it's right. like, okay, I see what you're trying to do. You're trying to give the audience something different. But I think one of the songs has, like, uh, I mean, you, you'll know, has the Paul Stanley doing alternate... Like ad libs at the end. Uh, Stutter seventy eight as the. Oh, that's yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a whole new. That's, that's a whole, a, that's a whole recording. New recording. That's right. All right. I thought there was another one where he where they added st- like it sounded like it was stuff they didn't use on the actual recording, but they used it on the remix. I, I could be wrong. Yeah, I can't. I can't think I, of. I could be wrong. If you don't know, then I'm not gonna fucking know. You know? So you don't have a, a least worst that you might be able to choose. Huh. It's all gone. I, 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 I guess like yeah. It's all shit. I guess the uh, hard look woman is the one that. Sounds the most like it would have been that way originally. Okay. So it doesn't sound that egregious, really no you know? Right. Okay. Like, okay. it sounds like, all right, if that was the way they put it out, you would have never really questioned it. Whereas other odd choices like the right. end of Black Diamond is just like, oh, that's stupid, you know? Even if it came out like that on the first album, it would have sounded stupid. I, got, I agree with him. I agree. I agree with yeah. Tommy in a lot of ways. The, the record, it's... <sighs> Could they have just put the songs on there as they were? Sure. And then just sold it as a straight greatest hits album. That would have been fine. Uh, I'm, I'm sure they just wanted to give some the people something for their money. Yeah, I'm there sure. wasn't. An, I a I am benefit. one of the people that like Strutter '78. I I like yeah, Strutter '78. Like I think it sounds a lot more uh, nuanced and a little more modernized at that time because the original one is, you know, we all talk about the production on the first album. Yeah. Uh, but Strutter '78 on this album, and I like the extended ending of it. Me it's too. Really cool. Um. Like Tommy said, Hard Luck Woman didn't need it. Didn't need any of that stuff. It was fine the way it was. You know, it, it, I, 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 my favorite song definitely is Strutter 78. I don't know about my least favorite. I mean, my least favorite would either have to be, like he says, either Hard Luck Woman or the Black Diamond thing. Like he says, the Black Diamond thing is just... That's... It, it's, a, it's a stretch. Yeah. Well, I've I've preferred Strutter 78 over the original for... Of course. For really? quite a while. Really? Yeah. 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 Me too, for a long because time. of the recording quality? Well, the recording quality just the is, is one factor. Wall, yeah. I also think because Paul Stanley had some years under his belt, you know, singing all those, you know, for all those shows and mm. the records, his voice got a lot better. Right. Um, I, I like, like I like Ace Frehley's guitar solo a lot yep. better, and there's more of, of his guitar solo work uh, the, in there. The one thing that I do like about that recording is when he gets to the guitar solo, it's a little, it's basically the same, but a little sloppier. Yeah, right. And he hits those little squeals that are like, they keep kind of getting cut off, and I like that. It's just like... It's like he was trying to do the original solo, right? But not exactly, right? You know, yeah, exactly. And, and he doesn't and I, do it exactly. I like the addition of the to the shakers, yeah, you know. It reminded shaker. me of like mid AC, you know, early ACDC when they had that shit. But other than that, I I don't like the the slow that it's slower, you know. Um, yes, people seem to have a problem thing with that, that, too, yeah. that. I also even I think the production of it because it's slower and it doesn't have that shitty kind of production, it loses. Uh, like a like an urgency 
for me, you know. Okay. Obviously, you guys don't agree, but, you know. I mean, if you, but if you listen to that first album, the strutter on the first album, it's kind of it's slow. Still, everything on that it's album, it's kind of slow. slow. It's like, <laughs> and then it's like and then, Mike. Ah, about, no, yeah. it's but like I mean, okay, we know, we know, you know. Pete, yeah. you'll know this as a drummer. You know the original Phil. You know the one when they when he does it, the one says that that doesn't do the the four. You know the bass drum. It's a that that that. And the second time, you know when on, they do the strutter seventy eight. Yeah, well, you, no, on the original. But when they do it again, when they do the 78 version, when he does it twice, it, you know, you hear the, you hear the hit better. Oh, okay. You know? Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, so maybe that's why it sounds... A more modern recording. I, I mean, yeah. it, it just makes sense that it would sound better. Right? I guess. I just don't, you know, I, I, don't, I don't see the point in it, really, you know? It's not drastically different enough for it for me for it to be like oh it's yeah, better well, you, know? you could say that for the whole record yeah well we did <laughs> I think we all like agree we'll say it again. It. Joe hasn't said much but... well well Ron well, you're, I'll t- t- you're taking up all the air <laughs> <laughs> I can't breathe can you open the windows is that enough oxygen it's motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> can I curse on this show yeah of course yeah. you can alright alright so this motherfucker! I already said it. I know. <laughs> so, so Ron, you were you were talking about um, well, Strutter seventy eight is being your your favorite track overall. Sure, sure. Right. What's your favorite one. remix outside of Strutter seventy eight being a, a new recording? Uh, I mean, maybe the Detroit Rock City sounds a little cooler on this than it did. I like the abrupt ending better than like the the kind of weird crash. Yeah. You know, the crash on uh, Destroyer. It had more of a, you know, this was more of like a structured song yeah. instead of like a lead into uh, King of the Nighttime World. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, Detroit Rock City is always a, always a banger, you know? I'll say this, that version of Detroit Rock City is way better than the single version that they initially attempted in that Absolutely. Book, that butcher yes, yes. hatchet job they Right, did. that hatchet job. Where they basically Fucking awful. Lost a verse, right? Didn't they like lose a whole verse? I think like so, but it's just yeah. the editing was so bad. It was like, what did you have, like a child do this on, on two cassette players? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> You at can... that point, so at that point, there's three versions of, of Detroit Rock City. Yeah, there's the album version, yeah. and there was this, uh, the, the Hatchet Job single version, okay. and then the double platinum. Yeah, because the double platinum one sounds like it was meant to be a single version. Right. Yeah. Like the edits at the beginning and the end sound perfect. And I know? think they they ended up using that same version on like future compilations yeah. later yep, on. Yep, yep. Makes sense. So, Joe, what about your favorite remix on Double Platinum? I think I'm gonna go with Firehouse. Interesting. Nice. You know, I think if if any album um, on the Kiss first six records could do with a, a a real remix, you know, a hotter than hell might be it. And I just think it sounds a little cleaner. It doesn't sound as grungy. And sometimes grungy is good. I think maybe in in the case of the original Firehouse, it's not so good. Or, or just that record in general. I, it could. It was interesting to hear it a little bit more polished up. And I, I was able to appreciate some of the work they did on Firehouse. I, that's the one that st- stood out to me. And they sped it up a little bit. Uh, I, you know what? I thought I... They did. It did, it yeah. Sounds, it they they sped good. it up. And, and yeah, his it's, voice, because did they just speed speed up the tape or they played it? They uh, no, they actually remake. sped up the pitch. Because if you notice, it, yeah. it's it's a different pitch than the original I was no Yeah, I was noticing that his voice sounds a little higher pitch, so... I thought I was imagining it. Yeah, it's almost like almost chipmunkish. I actually yeah. thought it was a re-recording when I listened to the double platinum. I'm like, this is a different recording because the guitars sound different at the beginning. Yeah, it's just and a higher it's, pitch. It's faster slightly, you know. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's 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 almost like they were trying to compete with the live version they were doing at the time because by that time when they were doing Firehouse Live, Peter Chris was speeding that song way up. Cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> we know he did a lot of that. Cocaine fuel. It's the Rocky Mouth. Remember he had the Rocky Mouth. <laughs> I mentioned that. I mentioned that the first. Uh, <laughs> the first Rocky He had that. He had that. It was all the cocaine, but it made it even worse. Uh, maybe just <laughs> face started drooping. Rocky two. You know? Rocky three. <laughs> <laughs> now he's like a. Yeah. Now he's Rambo. Rambo. First Blood Part Seven. Expendable. So, <laughs> my favorite remix on Double Platinum is a hundred thousand years. Um, I think you know it's like what you were saying about the the first the first album and the overall mix with hundred thousand years on double double platinum I think they they brought out a little more of the they definitely brought out some more of the guitars it's sure, it's, yeah. it's a lot louder in certain sections especially in the beginning after the bass intro um, it's it's pretty loud compared to the the original mix it's crisper yeah too um, mm-hmm. the vocals are also a, a bit louder and. I, I detect there's more vocals. I I don't know how many how many layers of vocals Paul did on that track, but it seems like there's a little more, unless they you know doubled any tracks you know during the remix yeah, they process. Yeah, right. So well, that might have been uh, tracks they never used. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like on Black Diamond, there's Peter. There's vocals yeah, that Peter Chris ex- like that are not vocals. on the yeah, record yeah. Uh, on the first record whatsoever. So yeah, I'm gonna go with a hundred thousand years as as my favorite remix on Double Platinum. Good choice. So that leads us to our least favorite, and uh, we'll start once again. We'll start with Tommy, which you know you don't really like a lot of it. Yeah. So um, what, what's the worst? The, the, and I, I mentioned Black Diamond before, yeah. and I I like the idea of like making it a single version by cutting the you know the end you know the the, the hits at the end mm-hmm. the solo because that works at the end of an album, but I don't think it works like in the midst of a greatest hits or whatever. So I like that they did that edit. I just don't like that they put that. You know, well, you know, like back in that yeah, just seemed. I, I silly. agree with you. I think because of that end, and because I don't like that end so much, I would, I would say Black Diamond. Black Diamond. Okay. Yeah. Ron. Uh, I'm gonna yeah, stick yeah. with the Hard Luck Woman mix. Okay. Don't, not crazy about it. Didn't need to be done. You know, I think the song was fine the way it was. The song uh, is great. Exactly. Well, yeah, no, it is a great song, it and is. it was fine the way it was. They didn't need to fuck with it. It mm. didn't. It's unnecessary. It was just dumb. Yeah, it was just dumb. Waste of time. <laughs> Okay. Joe, what are yours? Least favorite remix? Well, I guess I didn't... Uh, I don't know if I planned properly, because my choice is a Strutter 78, but it's not really a remix. It's like a... <laughs> I just hate that fucking it's song. It's a recording I, I just want to... I don't know. That's but you really, can still choose that. That's the only answer I have, really. I, that's I fine. I just don't like... I, I find that... Because they straighten out the beat, mm-hmm. and I find that it takes some of the punch away from the chorus, and it, it takes some of the nuances away. Some of that jazz, and, you know? And, uh, yeah, they kind of straightened it out, tried to make it a little bit more disco-y. Oh, they definitely did. And they, it took some of the punch and some of the accents away in spots, and I, I don't I don't think it makes for a better uh, song. All right. So it might make for a cleaner, you know, more crisp production-wise, but... As far as like a rock and roll song, I'll stick with the original. All right. So in Joe's case, it's least favorite remix and redo. So that's that's fine. <laughs> we, we we could work with that. All right. So my least favorite remix is "She," 
And it's pretty oh, much... Oh, yeah, I forgot about It's that. pretty much for the same reasons as Tommy has for Black Diamond. That's that terrible. The ending with that edit is just awful. Not even that, it's but a stupid why... stupid decision. It's such a dis- uh, weird thing to take the beginning of, of Rock Bottom and stick it on that. Why? Oh, that too, yeah. Why, uh, you know, why would and they why is it so quiet? do that, you know? Why is it so quiet, you know? They really needed to have the long-ass boring intro to Rock Bottom on this album? Like, I don't agree with that being long and boring, no, but, but, but <laughs> it, I it works in respect of the of the song on on the album because of the second part of it. Yes, you know, without that second part, you just, now you're just tacking it onto anything. Why? It, it is. A, it it was doesn't a, serve a purpose. It was a very strange decision. It, then, yeah, it's like, well, you know, put Rock Bottom's a great song, and that second half of Rock Bottom makes the first half that much cooler because of the juxtaposition. Right. So to to do that, it just it seemed this is dumb. You know, I forgot about that. I choose that. No, that's, <laughs> I'm changing that's... my fucking mind. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that pretty much wraps up the discussion part of <laughs> double platinum. So um, we'll go ahead now and play our collective favorite remixes redos on double platinum.
If never I met you I'd never have seen you cry If not for a first Hello We never have to say goodbye If never I held you My feelings would never show It's time I start walking But there's so much you
That was Strutter78, Hard Luck Woman, Firehouse, and 100,000 Years from Double Platinum. As now we're going to move on to the four individual solo albums that were released on September 18th, 1978. When Kiss renegotiated their contract with Casablanca Records following the enormous success of Alive, it was already established within their new deal with the label and Neil Bogart that the band would eventually record solo albums. Despite the narrative that certain band members had been speaking of for many years and that the solo albums were a result of Ace Frehley and Peter Criss expressing their desire to record their own solo albums while filming the TV movie Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park. When you consider the time frames that certain band members began recording their respective solo albums, it contradicts that old narrative. As for the recording of the solo albums themselves, Paul Stanley would initially enlist the services of Jeff Glicksman as his producer for the album, and would record about half of his album with a set personnel of musicians, only to then part ways with producer Jeff Glicksman, who felt his services weren't really required as Paul was treating him more like an engineer, and also parted with the initial personnel of musicians, except for Bob Kulik, and would finish the rest of the album by producing the remainder of the record along with another set of musicians while splitting recording locations between New York and Los Angeles. Gene Simmons would enlist the services of many known musicians and vocalists, and even a dog who portrayed Lassie, who'd be recorded for the album but didn't appear on it. It's also been said that Gene attempted to get the Beatles to reunite on his album as guest background vocalists, and when that attempt didn't result in a yes, that is why members of Beatlemania appeared on the album instead. This has never been officially confirmed by the living members of the Beatles, and Peter Chris would end up in a car accident during filming of Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park, and prior to this, and before beginning work on his solo album, he had his own issues in finding a producer of his choosing to work on the album with him, as Tom Dowd, who had previously recorded a few Rod Stewart albums, among many other notable artists, would turn down his request to produce the album. Peter also didn't have a whole lot of original material for the record, and would end up recording mostly older songs that were written in 1971 in a prior band called Lips, with Stan Penridge, a cover song, Bobby Lewis's Tossin' and Turnin', along with songs written by Sean Delaney, who had already played a big role in the early career of Kiss, along with manager Bill O'Coin. Interestingly, Sean Delaney would end up recording his first and only solo album, for Casablanca Records called Highway in 1979 as compensation for Peter Chris having recorded some of his songs for his solo album as some of those songs were said to have been recorded by Delaney himself only for Peter Chris to complete them in order to pad out his solo album. Some Kiss fans have taken to calling Sean Delaney's album Highway the fifth Kiss solo album as he's also been known to have been called the fifth member of Kiss given his contributions to the band and some of the stage choreography that they continue to use to this day. Amazingly, to some within Kiss's inner circle, 
Ace Frehley's album was the most minimal in terms of behind-the-scenes drama, guest musicians, and additional personnel, as he kept his core musicians intact throughout much of the recording of the album, and took the least time to record and complete his solo album. This is especially interesting given that certain members of the band were concerned that his partying ways may hamper him in recording a good album, which he'd ultimately end up having the last laugh in the end, proving his doubters wrong, with his album seeing the most mainstream success out of all four solo albums, while producing a top 40 hit single with his cover of Russ Ballard's New York Groove. The album artwork for the solo albums was done by Araldo Carugati, and the album design was done by Dennis Wallach. All four solo albums came with a bonus item for fans, this time in the form of four individual posters, which were painted by artist David Bird, in which all four posters could be connected together like a puzzle. All four solo albums also came with individual Kiss Army merchandise order forms specific for all four individual band members. Once the albums were released simultaneously on September 18, 1978, they would be heavily promoted along with the upcoming premiere of Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park, which was set to premiere on NBC before Halloween on October 28, 1978. Within a year from the U.S. television premiere on NBC, the movie would be released and played in movie theaters throughout Europe under the title of Attack of the Phantoms, and would contain songs from the four solo albums and a few prior studio albums in place of the original music score from the U.S. television version. Aside from a few original Kiss songs from prior studio albums, which are featured in both versions of the movie. Additionally, the theatrical version of the movie under the title of Attack of the Phantoms would contain some different scenes that were not used in the U.S. TV premiere, and would also cut some scenes that were in the original U.S. TV movie premiere of Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park on NBC. Most notably, a few of Ace Frehley's lines and jokes were cut in the European theatrical version. This was done in an effort to make the storyline more cohesive overall than the original made-for-TV version, which aired on NBC. While the solo albums would ship platinum, they would ultimately not sell to expectations of the band, management, and Casablanca Records. Many copies would soon end up in cutout bins in record stores and other random stores all over the country, which Kiss would later contest in a multi-million dollar lawsuit against their new parent company, Phonogram Records, who'd purchased Casablanca Records in the early 80s, in which they'd win, but would only be awarded a six-figure sum, rather than the multi-million dollar sum they were seeking from monies never received from these random cutout bin sales. So, we're going to start off with um, talking a little bit about Gene Simmons' solo album. And I'm going in catalog number order here. Get that out of the way. Yeah, <laughs> you could say that too. So, Gene Simmons. Again, all records released on September 18, 1978. Gene's album was produced by Gene Simmons and Sean Delaney. It was recorded at The Manor in Oxfordshire, England, Cherokee Studios in Los Angeles, California, and Blue Rock Studios in New York, New York, all between April and July of 1978. The main personnel on the record, Gene Simmons, vocals, acoustic and electric guitar, Neil Jason on bass, Elliot Randall on guitar, and Alan Schwartzberg on drums. Notable guests on the album include Joe Perry, 
guitars on Radioactive and Tunnel of Love. Bob Seger, backing vocals on Radioactive and Living in Sin. And personally, I think he also sang backups on Burning Up with Fever and was not credited. Rick Nielsen, guitars on See You in Your Dreams, which includes a guitar solo that begins with the melody lines to the album closer, When You Wish Upon a Star. Helen Reddy, background vocals on True Confessions. Jeff Skunk Baxter, guitars on Burning Up with Fever, See You Tonight, Tunnel of Love, and Mr. Make-Believe. Donna Summer, background vocals on Burning Up with Fever and Tunnel of Love. Janice Ian, backing vocals on the prelude intro to Radioactive. Cher has that spoken word voiceover on the telephone during Living in Sin. Mitch Weissman and Joe Pecorino from Beatlemania, backing vocals on Mr. Make-Believe, See You Tonight, and Always Knew You Nowhere to Hide. Michael DeBar, backing vocals on See You in Your Dreams. Richie Rano from the band Stars, who were managed by Bill Coyne. He plays some guitars on Tunnel of Love. And Katie Segal of Married with Children fame, who is part of a group of female background vocalists on True Confessions, Always Near You, Nowhere to Hide, and See You in Your Dreams. The lone single that was released was Radioactive, released in September of 1978, which peaked at number 47 on the Billboard Hot 100 singles chart. The album is currently certified platinum as of October 7, 1978, and the peak Billboard album chart position was number 22 on Billboard's Top 200 Albums chart. And I believe Gene had the highest charting record. Which, yes, he did, yes. Gene had the highest charting record overall over the four solo albums. He actually had a top 50 single. Just selling, He did. Just in sales, I would imagine people were more... About Gene, but I guess the, he was like the the face of Kiss. Right, right, you know? right. No, it was for the album, not the single. Though. The album reached twenty one, right? The album reached twenty two. Radioactive. No, re- the single. Oh, the single actually yeah. reached. You said 20? Radioactive reached forty forty seven. That's oh correct. wow. Yeah, he did. He did. 50? He did make the top fifty on that one. That's crazy. Yeah, the album. Yes, the album was at how number twenty two. Out of that list of personnel, how many uh, how many of those people do you think Gene Simmons fucked? All of them. He had to put his penis. Men, in. women, and hey, I hate to say, children. Well, we know we, <laughs> that dog. Well, he was and the dog, right? The dog, right? He was, didn't make the, the list. He was dating Cher at the time. Yeah, he, yep. he piped up Donna Summer and Donna Summer, <laughs> right? He piped her up. I like you. Yeah, he was You're going out with Diana Ross. Diana Ross, yeah, yeah, he did all right. How did that gross man fuck so many? Because I get it, the rock star thing, but like he's just—he's gross. He's vile. <laughs> just gross. Even he's back different then, though. You know? he's, he, but you see, that's a persona he puts on. Absolutely, one hundred percent. He's a gentleman. He's a pure gentleman. I he, guess he probably is a really nice guy because Shannon Tweed talks a lot of really nice things mm-hmm. about him. Actually, Cher says nice. Cher things about says him. nice things about him. I'm sure he's not the poon dog. He makes himself out to be. You read those books, right? You read all the. Yeah, the, hey, listen. Yeah. When he was single, I'm sure he was on yeah, fire. Oh, yeah. You know, so. I mean, just the grossness. Yeah, he's vile. <laughs> so with that all said, yeah. let's go to our top three favorite tracks. Uh, we'll start with Joe on this one. Gene Simmons, what are the top three favorite tracks? Oh, man, right to me. <laughs> I know mine. Are well, Jeez. it's weird because like, I feel like my favorite tracks, on, on this album at least, are the ones that kind of cut more against the grain to his persona. You know, I, I really think um, Always Near You, Nowhere to Hide. I really like that song a lot. I think it's, like, thoughtful in its arrangement. 
Um, and it's also it it, it, it sounds like kind of has a serene and sweet quality, but it's also really creepy. Mm-hmm. He's like I'm basically saying like he's it's almost like every breath you take, he's like he's always around you and you're not going to get away from him, but it's sung so pleasantly. It's like you it's almost like subversive, you know. Okay. So I don't know, I'll go with that as as one of them. One of them? Okay. Um We each have to pick three? Yes. It's hard. Oh boy, it is hard. It's hard with this one. Yeah. Really I is. like I see you tonight I'll see you tonight. Very Beatles esque. Mm-hmm. Um just has a you know nice harmony, sweet melody. I, I like that one. Okay. And once again another song that kinda of cuts against his demon character. Um but you know, completely. Uh, and I guess it's not even related. Who cares about his character? I just like the song for what it is. You know. I agree. I, um, I, I went. I went at it with the same approach. All right. So I think for my third one, I'm gonna say um, "Burning Up with Fever." All right. Only and, and that's one that's a little bit more in line with Gene, but it ha- it has kind of like a cool, funky kind of like quality. Mm-hmm. I like to that it. song too. And the chorus is catchy. It kind of reminds you of Larger Than Life a little bit in, during the verses. It's like kind of, it's you know, here's a that bone mm-hmm. Kind of like funky, I don't know. I would say those three, you know, if I had to pick one one extra one that's cool, I do like Mr. Make Believe. Another kind of sounds to me like a Paul McCartney kind of solo track or something. He, he went with... Heavy, heavy Beatles influence. I oh, think, sure. More than anyone, you know, like he wears his influence on this album right on his, on his studded sleeve. <laughs> on, on his on his snakeskin snake studded sleeve. <laughs> so I'll, I'll go with those. Those are my choices. Oh no! Right. Cool. Ron, by you. Right. All right, I'll make this quick. <laughs> I'll try to anyway. <laughs> uh, radioactive. I like it. Yes. Okay. It's, it's a good song. Uh, it's almost like a Kiss song. You know, Absolutely. like it would be a Kiss song if it wasn't on the... Like this was probably being saved up for Dynasty and then Gene was like, hey. And that's that's the song they chose to play live in 79. Exactly. Right, yes. So I'm From gonna, his record. I'm going to say Radioactive is uh, my favorite favorite. Okay. Um... And I know it's cor- I know my my two other choices are way friggin' horrible and corny, but that's why Doesn't I chose matter. them. <laughs> uh, matter. Living in Sin at the Holiday Inn is probably my second favorite I, song, just because it's such a Gene Simmons thing. And I'm glad you said that because I have something queued up. What do you have? Wait, what? You have Living in Sin queued up. Cher, oh. will you come out? <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Cher. <laughs> Can you guys still smell Gene in there? No. <laughs> no. Oh no. <laughs> well, I was hoping somebody would I don't mention go for that shit. I was hoping somebody would mention Living in Sin because Living in Sin has one of the most just ridiculous bass slaps yes. ever committed to uh, record. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Such a seven. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, right. Like it's like you didn't even try. It was good, though. It was good. 
And my third favorite, which is... Wait, wait, one second. I just want to tell you the my little note for living in sin. Right, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. It's got to be great. Compelling for how empty it is. Exactly, exactly. That's why I like it so much. That's really why I like it so much. And my Against the Grain Gene song, which is not even an Against the Grain Gene song, because it's not all that great. Man of a Thousand Faces. Nice. I like it. I like the chorus. I like it. Yeah, it's not bad. It's not a bad song. I, I enjoy it. And it's, you know, it fits with the whole Kiss thing with the Thousand Faces. And that, I mean, listen. That song reminds me, it, like, it's, like, it could be a Disney. Like an right, Disney right, right. Yeah. You know? I mean, listen. The, Ironic because of the song that's actually on the album. We're talking yeah, about right. the four Kiss solo albums here, right? So mm-hmm. we're going to, you know, we, we're going ha- we're gonna split the C in half, right? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? There's yeah. a good half and there's uh-huh. a bad half. Absolutely. This is part of the bad half. <laughs> so if I'm going to go bad, I'm going bad. I'm going to yeah, say, man, what happens when you things? have to pick the three worst, you know? <laughs> no, it's only one, only one worst. Only oh, one we're only worst. picking yeah, one, worst? Only one worst? Yeah, we don't. Oh, because of the, okay, You can yeah. talk about more, but, you know, oh, okay. we're, we're not going to play those let's, songs. Let's please. And so... Tommy, we have uh, three favorites. Oh, uh, Radioactive is probably the best song on the album. Okay. Uh, it sounds good. I think his singing is great on that. Mm-hmm. Gene, Gene, you know, obviously you guys know, does those ridiculous voices. So either he's going to sound like fucking a Muppet or a monster <laughs> or yeah. sing like this. And he has a really good voice, you know? Oh, he does. When he's singing, you know? Um, a lot of the times it's putting on a, a voice or like a grumble, you know? I think Always Near You, Nowhere to Hide. That's proves. at the very end when he's yeah. doing all that crazy shit. All the full which voice It's like, wow, this guy, is, he could sing. You, mm-hmm. know, you know he can, he's but like, he doesn't always like, sing. It's like listening to like God of Thunder, right? You, he's got that gene. Yeah, exactly. And then like See You in Your Dreams on, yeah. the, on the Rock and Roll Over album. They got, you got that gene too. Yeah. And that, that, that voice is a really good voice. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I enjoy I, I like the, it. the monster voice. I don't. No, know. no, not the monster voice. The one, the one that he sings. even it, so, so his yeah. singing voice. He's got a decent. No, but sometimes voice. I'm a, so on uh, God of Thunder. He does the Dolly, it's Dolly. the grumble. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. then there are other songs like, like How do you do? Like all the ridiculous. <laughs> How do you that, do? To me, that's like that's the Muppet voice. You know. You just have to remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like that's not the that's Jack not the scary. Alright. <laughs> I got a swift proposition. Yeah. So. T- <laughs> <laughs> to me, that is the Muppet voice. The oh, monster so voice would be God of right, Thunder. God. Okay, all right. And so this the... is this song. <laughs> I, actually. I was confusing the monster the, and, and the, the Muppet. Yeah, the Muppet. I was making them because it's similar, thing. you know. Yeah, very. Uh, but radioactive, good song, good singing. Uh, I don't like any of the female singing. I think it's too loud on the whole album. So that like will that detracts from what might be otherwise. So like living in sin, it would is my second choice. Sure, because. I feel like it's the one song where he usually sounds like a jerk, you know, in a lot of his songs. <laughs> right. Singing about how sexy he is and women want to bang him and, and how stuff. young they are. And creepy, <laughs> other creepy things, you know. Right. And this song, I feel like he's he's in on the joke with Living in Sin. Exactly. It's like, uh, this is the kind of persona, you know, they even say Mr. Simmons, you know, the whole like... Stupid, it's the most Gene Gene song it's on the album. Sure. But like, self-aware, not like, right, right, not right, pretending right, right. to be something yes, else. Yes, yes, yes. Which he's always doing, you know. Right. So I, I like that song. I think it's a good song. The the those singing that singing female singing is a little too loud. Other than that, I I think that song's a good kind of like a fun song. And I don't like fun songs in general, but I, I think it works with Gene's persona to have that song. And uh, the third one I was gonna pick. I don't really have a third one, but while you guys were talking, <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. I don't really have a third um, one. 
See You Tonight, it to me sounds like the Birds more than the Beatles. Oh, and interesting. It's, it's, uh, yeah, if you listen Never to Never heard that um, comparison before. What's that album? Uh, the famous Birds album. Anyway, there's a song that actually sounds like this, like chord progression wise. I forget the fucking album, though. Um, okay. So we have. And it's, you know, like it's it's a. Sounds like early Beatles to me. Man, uh, not to me. Uh, anyway, you know, but that's my opinion. That's your take. The, um, it's the one thing, like, that sounds like a pop song that actually works, where I feel like some. Sometimes on this album, when he's trying to do it, like that quote-unquote Beatle thing, doesn't really. it's not that great. This one is a pretty decent song. The lyrics is stupid. The lyrics on this whole album are stupid. It's like, all right, what rhymes with lose? All right, abuse, use, you know, use twos, you know? like Yeah, like, that's the way the album lyrics are to me. Like, it's like whatever rhymes, you know? Didn't really put a lot of thought, you know? But uh, So those, would, I guess, would be my three favorite. Well, and some of some of the lyrics are still in question. Like, what what is Gene talking about? And <laughs> yeah, well, see you tonight, like with the whole thing of um, uh, what, what does he say? Um, I'm gonna see you have it again. It's yeah, like weird. You know, he's talking it. about his penis, but it's like you're gonna get it tonight. Like all these creepy things, but in this vein of like a nice romance song, you know. He's saying, I'll see you without it, and I'll yeah. see you tonight. It, uh, yeah. What's without it? Without what? VD. <laughs> you know? You better come... Chlamydia. You, you better come tonight, but not with that fucking VD. Chlamydia, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> no, no! So, alright, so it's time for my top three favorites, and um, I actually agree with a few of you on, on some of these. So mine are <coughs> radioactive, because it, it's just like you said, it, it, could, it could potentially be a kiss song. I really, I whenever I hear that, I always think of the second side. I always think of the side four of Alive Two. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like, why wasn't mm-hmm. it there? You know, like it could have easily been on that. Um, I also chose along with Joe and Tommy. See you tonight, because I mean, Gene didn't record a, a lot of ballads prior to this. You know, like mm-hmm. Going Blind is one of the closest ones that you could say. Right. Great um, expectations. Great expectations. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So. Uh, Going blind is a ballad. It's well, a not slow a song. not a, a ballad, slow song. but uh, slow song. Oh, all right, all you right. Know, compared to the, that's the, a creepy fucking ballad. Com- compared to like others, gotcha, gotcha. I guess more. Maybe I mean not ballad, but it's more you know, mellow, mellower, more exactly. And my third choice is where I agree with Ron, and I also chose "Man of a Thousand Faces." Man of a um, because again, it, it's it's Gene talking about. His, right. his persona being him, yeah. and being himself and you know I'm also taking the approach of not thinking about the solo album production and how he actually mm-hmm. recorded it you know like and this will you know be the same with Peter's record you know it's how would Kiss record these songs mm-hmm. so I think it kind of goes back to his horror movie love too mm-hmm. right like the whole thing like yeah. he's a big horror movie guy right so like the whole Man of I think I read an interview yeah, like, like, like that's one of my something. favorite yeah. movies Man of Thousand you know like that whole thing so the the production on this album I think is really good. It is. I don't necessarily like the choices made, but the sounds are good. You know, the bass sound, drum sound, like everything sounds good. Yeah. It's I, solid. I think, I, I think by this point Kiss had gotten the production yeah. thing on on point. So I, that Kiss <laughs> finally, had, Kiss, had got, <laughs> Kiss had gotten this production like down. You know, they 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 could afford good guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They could afford good studios. They could afford good equipment. There's no reason why they should have put out an album that sounds like shit. Right. And I think all four of these albums really shine. They all sound good. Yeah, they, they all really have top, top-notch top production. They really do. So before we 
elaborate more on the overall production, let's do the least favorite tracks. You know, the the, the fun part of okay. this with Gene's record. Mm. I'll start. I'll start. See yeah, you, go ahead, Ron. See you in my dreams. I'm, I'm with unnecessary. Ron with Ron. Unnecessary. Sounds terrible. Yeah. I, I like that version better than Rock and Roll you Over. You do? Yeah. Why? Get out of here. I do, yeah. You like Rock and Roll Over. You're, you're off your own show. Get out of here. I'm kicked you're off fired. my own podcast. Hey, this is Ron. We're here with the kids. <laughs> <laughs> I, Ron Vinyl. <laughs> I, Ron Vinyl. That's good. Uh, okay, wow. so see you in you your like, dreams. That's yeah. that's your, your least favorite? That's my yeah, least I, favorite. I, I, I don't get it. I don't get why he did that. I like I like it better than the rock and roll version because it is it's got more energy to it. Just because it's different, it's it, not it that is, different. There are some you know? well, there is little differences. Oh, no, there's you, a you lot. Got, of, you got the it, female background vocalist yeah, yeah, on the yeah. chorus, but it's not a different which uh, think it's, it's, arrangement it's, it's, it's or anything. Amped up a lot more. Yeah. It I guess maybe bit. I don't like it. I think it's, the second the second verse is uh, lengthened. It is slightly different. I guess maybe mm. I don't like it because I was so used to the first one when I was a kid, you know, and then hearing that, you're like, yeah, what do we do? You know, it's true. I, I loved Rock and Roll. It's still my favorite Kiss album. That's still so my favorite too. You know, if anybody does anything but to I, it. But I really like the version on Rock and Roll Over, too. Yeah. But I just, you know, for years, I've been, you know, I've always had it in my head. I like Gene's solo yeah. album version a little bit better. Yeah. So. Well, that's my choice. Okay. And I think Tommy agrees you, with me. You know what? I am. Um, Tommy, might as well disagree. go ahead. I agree with you. I agree because it's. I feel like it's the most of waste of a time, waste. You know, it just sounds like a like a badly recorded version of the Kiss one. Okay. Um, but that fucking when you wish upon a star <laughs> is a fucking. I wasn't even counting that. Yeah, somebody no, was going to say that. If one. we're yeah, not going to yeah. count that, no, that's fine. No, you can count it. You can count it. It's, yeah, it's it's stupid. Like, you know what? I feel like it. He, it just sounds like a karaoke. Like he's doing a fucking Disney karaoke. Right. If it if it was some kind of cool rock arrangement or even like an acoustic guitar kind of piece with him singing like a normal right, person right. and not doing the fucking it's Muppet the voice. Violin. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's like, uh, let's get the fucking di- track from Disney and I'll put my stupid voice on top Well, I think this, the, like, the sentimental value for him with that, I, with that song and is... And I, I appreciate that yeah. fact about it, you right. know? Because uh, uh, it's like, people aren't going to expect for me to do like, to, to pick this kind of song to do. But he also has this American dream right. like value about him. So, you know, his dream came true. His rock and roll dream. And I think so, that was one of the first movies he yeah, saw. Yeah, like, like when he was a young Jewish. to learn English. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I appreciate that <laughs> about the song. But um, it's it's just not well done. I just think it was no, badly fine. executed. That's you know? fine. I was wondering if anyone was definitely going to choose that one only because, you know, it's a cover song and, you know. A lot I, of the... Uh, the orchestrations on this album to me ruin it. You know, it, they, it gives it like a like a pompous. It doesn't seem natural. It seems like he's like like says I'm gonna show everybody I'm a serious you know arranger. And I'm he's gonna been get, accused you know, of this album being a little pompous. I think if he had if it was simpler and more straightforward, a lot of the songs would be more successful. You know. You, you gotta let, uh, I, I always picture like what it was like for them when they were recording the solo albums like Gene got all the star power you know yeah, yeah Helen Reddy right was, <laughs> yeah, Donna Summer man yeah, all these people were huge in the 70s was Everyone, she on Cher, Casablanca man. Donna yeah. Summer yeah, yeah. So she was like but I mean even like but I mean <laughs> get the friggin Bob Seger yeah that's I mean yeah. these are big Bob Seger was huge friggin Joe Perry man yeah 
I mean, these Joe are Perry was he was on so you could see like Gene like you know sitting there on a couch with his do it Joe jacket and you know ha ha and everybody like ah right but like you know Ace had it seems that Ace had more like a balls out rock and roll record yeah. Peter was I don't know fiddling around with Arthur Murray and uh, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I don't know whatever. we'll get into that later but but you could sense that Hollywood like it was a big Hollywood yeah, yeah no, no question. I get the reasons why, but I, right. it just you still gotta give your own. Joe still has to uh, toot, toot about his yeah. uh, least favorite yes. tracks. Joe, let me toot here. Uh, I to- I chose Tunnel of Love <laughs> just because yeah. it's just there's just <laughs> nothing there. there. It, it's not even so bad. It's good. It's just it's just not interesting. It's just bad. It's man. just a trash. Not clever. It's a even. trash song. And there's nothing there. And that's that's one of the songs that that's one of the songs he demoed with the the Van Halen brothers. Oh, really? Was it? Like, yeah, in like nineteen seventy-seven or seventy-six. Yeah, it's a like trash all song. the other songs at least have. I literally wrote on my notes, "trash song." <laughs> <laughs> Two words. Every other song, at least if it's shitty, it has like an interesting something, something interesting about, about it. it. That that song is just just a big zero. I don't know. Well, that leads to my least favorite, which is also Tunnel of Love. Yeah, yeah. that song is a piece of shit. <laughs> look at my look at my notes. Piece Tunnel. of shit. Oh god, <laughs> shoot me. Just to, just to have some corny so, like sexual metaphor, you know, pussy, you know, Tunnel of Love, you know? right? That's what it's about. Well, later on it would be logs and fireplaces, and <laughs> this time it was the Tunnel of Love. There you go. That's true. So I, you guys, want to. <laughs> Talk a little bit about the overall production of the record. We did get into a little bit of it. Yeah, but I do think it's good. it sounds nice, but it you you can tell it sounds cobbled together by a bunch of different musicians. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I find like a lot of the rhythms sound a little meandering. Like at no point does this album like for like a few minutes like really rock. Mm-hmm. It just sounds... I don't know. It's hard to put into words. I honestly like, think See You in Your Dreams is the closest where it, like it's really rocked up because it's, 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 you know, it's fast. And, right. Probably the loudest of the yeah. songs on the mm-hmm. album, yeah. Was there one... Was there multiple drummers or just one drummer across the that whole... That Jewish uh, Alan Schwartzberg. I don't like him. <laughs> <laughs> he stinks. Fuck Alan Schwartzberg. <laughs> Alan Schwartzberg, fuck you. Well, his <laughs> name will... I'm kidding, dude. Will I barely him. know you. <laughs> I barely know you. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think that the sounds of this album are good. Uh, as far like Joe saying, maybe um, uh, like thought thought process wise, production wise, or arrangement wise, there's a bit of a mess. But the sounds on tape are good. You okay. know, yeah, sure. I think the drums sound good, the bass sounds good, the guitars sound good. You know, word bass slap is very loud. Boing, boing, boing. All right, so My let's boner. let's move right on to the next solo album. Which one? Who are you in, next? in catalog order? It's Ace Frehley. Oh, yes. So Ace Frehley was produced by Eddie Kramer with Ace Frehley. It was recorded at the Mansion in Sharon, Connecticut, and Plaza Sound Studios in New York, New York, between June and July of 1978. Jeez. The main personnel was Ace Frehley, vocals, acoustic, and electric guitar, bass, and guitar synthesizer. Will Lee on bass, on Ozone, I'm in Need of Love, and Wiped Out. Anton Fig, drums and percussion. Carl Tallarico on drums on Fractured Mirror. David Lasley and Susan Collins, background vocals on Speeding Back to My Baby, What's on Your Mind, and New York Groove. Larry Kelly, background vocals on Rip It Out. Bill Bear Scheinman, 
Bell on Fractured Mirror, Bobby McAdams, Power Mouth or Talk Box on New York Groove. (laughs) (laughs) The single released was New York Groove, released in September of 1978, which peaked at number 13 on Billboard Hot 100 Singles chart. So Ace would have the highest charting single out of the four albums. The album is currently certified platinum as of October 7th, 1978. And the peak Billboard album chart position was number 26 on Billboard's top 200 albums chart. So this is only four spaces behind Gene. Right. 21. Which it should have got higher because it had the big hit. So, yeah, Ace Frehley's album has the most minimal of notes in terms yeah. of the personnel and all Absolutely. the other Yeah, well, stuff. he did it mostly himself, probably. Three guys, yeah. yeah. And most tracks. Which, yeah, it, it, and it, it, I think that says a lot, again, for, you know, some people were, were worried about how, how yeah, his record's yeah. going to be. and Is he going to be able to pull it together? And yeah. he had the most cohesive and Definitely. easiest time yeah. making his solo record. And, like, great arrangements. I mean, yeah. Will Lee and, and Anton Fig are... Kill a rock and roll record. And um, part of the David Letterman band for yeah, many years. Yeah, yeah, forever. And uh you know that that simplicity and then it, like you know, you got the bass and the drums, so everything else relies on Ace and he fucking kills it, you know? <laughs> All the vocals knocked no, it right out of the park. Most of the vocals, the guitar agents are great, you mm-hmm. know. Uh good good stuff. So yeah. let's go over our top three favorite tracks individually and start with Tommy on this one. Oh, three. Uh, uh, New York Groove it, it goes up there just because it's so great, you know. Iconic. Like, you hear it yeah, everywhere. Yeah, and it's and it's one of the kind of, one of the songs that even though you hear it a lot, and it's you know it's known for this sure. for being an, the Ace song. Mm-hmm. It never gets like you never get tired of it. It's a short song, and it's it's a you know like those little ad libs and shit are great. You know, like I love the you know. I should add, he was hesitant. He didn't want to record that song. He had to be convinced. Oh, really? He had yeah, to be really? convinced by Eddie Kramer to, to oh, record wow. that song. Yeah. He, it's great, and the arrangements of it is great. Performance is great, and it's just, you know, it's definitely the kind of song like, you know you get into it every. And time it was a legit it, hit. Know? I don't think there was any you know kind of uh, payola going on there. I think yeah, that, yeah, that, right. that song was a legitimate. I'm hit. sure you played at the fucking Yankee game, and everybody loves it. You right, know, like right, right. No, then I and now. I've been in the movie you know? recently or on a show on Netflix or something. That song is that, oh, wow. that song is forever, man. That song, as long as there's a New York City, that exactly, song will yeah, be. Yeah. That song will be. And around. it's it's well recorded. It's just it's good fun. You know? It's crazy. He almost had a you know top ten hit with that. You know, and yeah, it's wild. this album is like a, is like a George Harrison with All Things Must Pass. You know, like couldn't do everything he wanted to do on in his own band, but when he did the solo, it's like wow. Yeah, yeah, but that's really pulled that, that off. Good comparison. Yeah. I I know what you're saying. The spirit of what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I'm with you, but. Ace didn't do everything he could do in Kiss because he was fucking not showing up. And well, you know. yeah, I, I don't know. Whatever the reason was. <laughs> not, not for lack of talent. Yeah, but... Because they were encouraging him to sing more and do for stuff. For sure. So. But it, you hear that, but then you when you read his, uh, you know, uh, account of it, they didn't want him to do stuff, you know? Who knows? Who knows if... It's subjective. True and what's not, you, know? you know? I think it's because, a mixed bag there. But you know, we, like, know, we, know, we know for sure George Harrison was ready, willing, and able. Oh, yeah, yeah. But... He, he he pulls it together. Ace pulls it together for this album. Sure. And in a month, you know, like that's right. nuts. You know, yeah, exactly. It's only nine songs, but anyway, let me get to my second song. Yeah, sure, you gotta keep, and keep going on and on. Um, oh, what was the other one? I, oh, rip it out has got to be on that top three. Uh, perfect intro to a, to a record. Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. Succinct gets right to it. <clears throat> Melodic, uh, good rocking. Fucking drums are amazing. Those those fills at the end are fantastic. 
just great song. And his first real vocal, right? Love Gun. Well, he did Shock Me. Oh, okay, that's right. Shock Me came out in 77. So, okay, his second vocal, and he's like right out there, you know? And uh, no, uh, not alive too, right? He did Rocket Ride. Yeah, he did Rocket Ride. Uh, Sorry, that's true. That's true. Anyway, point is, (laughs) point is, he was the least exposed, and he went for it. You know, and it's like you you don't stop and think like, wow, this is this guy's first time, you know, whatever. Just does it, and it's good. Sounds natural. Yeah, Yeah, succeeded. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, he doesn't have a great voice, but for what he does, great. You know, like especially this with all the harmonies and stuff like. He put thought into the arrangements, you know, into the vocal arrangements and guitar arrangements. Oh, and for it, sure. It shows, you know. Uh, third favorite, probably, it's, it, it would be a cross, but it would be a What's on Your Mind or, or Wiped Out. I don't know. I like them for kind of two different reasons. Um, to me, oh, What's on Your Mind is more of like a pop song, like, that could be like a Beatles song or whatever. Right, you know? I'll, put that, I'll, I'll put that as like an extra for wipe, Wiped Out. Okay. Uh, and Wiped Out to me is very self-aware, like the like the Gene Simmons song we mentioned before. Sure. Like, he's in on the this drunker joke, you right, know? Right, right, right. And he sings this yeah. song about like just getting more and more drunk with different types of booze. Right. To me, like... It we seems... should switch to rum! <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> that would be great to act this out. Like him run, going to different parties with a girl, like saying the lines, like but acting the lines, you know? <laughs> that's funny. That'd be that's so funny music, like a music video. Like a video, yeah. yeah, we, yeah, we, gotta, yeah. we gotta do this. Anima- uh, animated video. Yeah, he right. can animate it because he's into there computers. You go. But, um, <laughs> he's into technology. That's right. <laughs> Coming into space and technology. <laughs> oh, yes. Space bear. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. The, <laughs> you want to talk to me? Yeah, that's why I like those songs. And and Wipe That is an awesome time shift. You know, like uh, when it gets to the chorus and it's got that weird... Sounds like they did some tape cutting there. You to, think to so? Make, to make that... Ed- yeah, I, I think so. I don't think so. It's, it's, it's every chorus, you know? Yeah, but it, there's like just there's just this little this, this, this little slight like cut that, that sounds really? like they just they cut some tape together. Uh, to I don't me, know. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Sounds like they did it. But I could be wrong, too. I don't know. Okay. You got your three and a half. Those are my yeah, thanks. <laughs> All right, Ron. What about you? This is really hard, you know. I this is the for me. This is this edges out Paul Stanley's solo album. Oh, me too. I agree with you. Really? That. Yeah. I Paul Stanley's is fucking awesome. Yeah. But this one is really fucking. Awesome. Yeah, I think it stands above a little more. I'm gonna yeah. say rip it out for sure. Uh, every time I see Ace in concert, he always opens up with rip it out. Pretty and much, it's yeah. Always of. Friggin' good sign of things to come. It's it's a good rock and roll song. It's a ripper. Uh, my second favorite is a tough choice. Uh, I'm going to say Ozone. Nice. It's just a heavy. It's 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 almost like a stoner song. Third choice. I'm going to go in from left field. I was going to say Snowblind because I really love Snowblind, but. I'm going to say Fractured Mirror oh, right. is the third choice. Because it, as, it, as an instrumental, it's I unexpected, and I think it really sounds beautiful. Yeah. And I think it was a very well-produced mm-hmm. instrumental, and the fact that, like, it's just a facet of Ace Fraley you never heard until that mm-hmm. moment. And he's kept it as yeah. a continuing series for a while. Right, up, yeah. Up until Anomaly. Right. And it, it's just, it just sounds beautiful, and you wouldn't expect it. Like, after hearing all these, like, rip-roar songs, wiped out. It's right before it. 
It just shows what a great ranger he right, was. It goes, it goes to show you that he can make this eclectic record, kind of, and, and it's really... and it, it just stayed with me, that song, since I was a kid. Yeah, that's one of my all-time yeah. favorite instrumentals. Absolutely. 100. Joe? Year three. Fairly Fraley. <laughs> all right. I'm gonna. I was gonna leave this off just because it's so obvious, but it's also kind of undeniable. Rip it out. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, I was. I was gonna try and be cool and choose something <laughs> else. I was like, "Why? Well, let's not force this too hard." Uh, second, uh, Snowblind. Okay. I mean, similar reasons. I mean, it, it just has such a lurch, cool like lurching rhythm. You know, it's, yeah, it's, it, it's just heavy. It's heavy. It is heavy. <clears throat> uh, my third is Fractured Mirror. Wow, all right. That Very... The the music kind of sounds <laughs> like the title to me. There's something about the way uh, that yeah. weird guitar effect during like, those... Right, yeah, choruses. it does, right? It reminds me of just like just light re- refracting off like splitting off in different directions oh, like glass yeah, it was very splendor. well the way he recorded the guitars too you know like certain mm-hmm. guitars like the the Marshall amp would be turned to like a little above zero and mm-hmm. then they would just you know mic it up as hot as possible to capture wow. what, what little was coming out you mm-hmm. know he, he he implored some interesting techniques to get all the guitar sounds that's awesome yeah it's a very it's just cinematic it has oh yeah Kind of some depth to it. It seems contemplative, but still, I don't know. Has a just it's a cool vibe. Very, it's yeah. I like, I like Fractured Mirror. <laughs> it's hard okay. to pick. It's hard to pick. It really is. I mean, the, I, I had a tough time with this. Was the album I had probably the toughest time with. This yeah. is probably the. I mean, would you guys agree? There's no bad song on this record. The, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. right. Yeah. I have a least yeah. favorite, but there's no bad song. Right. Yeah. yeah. The I least favorite is, is is a good song. Yeah. It's hard to. It's really hard to choose. Yeah. But you got to but choose. You got to choose. Got to choose. <laughs> That's <laughs> all three parts now. We've made that joke. <laughs> yeah, we have. Right. <laughs> um, all right. So, my top three favorites. I, I agree with um, a lot of you on on this one. I really, really. I would have picked Fractured Mirror. The only problem, the only thing that I saw with Fractured Mirror in this scenario of putting together a, a 1978 Kiss it's album... It's not going to be in and out, yeah. Exactly. It's, I, I agree. They Why did, not? Well, they did the love theme from Kiss, <laughs> but after that, they, they never really did an instrumental again. It's not their fucking problem. Ace did a good one. Yeah, this well, he I, absolutely did a good yeah. one, but you know, if I'm thinking in an <clears> album <throat> scenario... You I just the album with that. Absolutely, you could. I just don't see like if they were collectively putting together this record, them wanting to use an instrumental. Yeah. So oh, yeah, no, maybe, I'm, right, you know, maybe right. I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. But um, that's that's one that I I it was painful for me to leave off. But having said that, my top three favorites are "Rip It Out." So we all pretty much all of us agree on that one. I think yeah, I think all of us yeah. have "Rip It Out." So "Rip It Out," "Snowblind," which uh, yeah, two of us have "Snowblind." Right. And, oh, you I, have and that was my three and a half choice. That was, that was my half. that was my three. I uh, went for Fractured Mirror instead yeah. of uh, Snowblind. I went for Ozone too. Oh, you, okay. Um, and yeah, I was of the same thinking that it's undeniable. You have to have New York Groove. You have to have New York Groove as as one of the one of the favorites. And, oh, absolutely. If you're and gonna... considered for an album. Oh and, yeah, and it, it Kiss obviously would do, Kiss would be able to do that too, you know. Yeah, right. like if and it was obviously a, a big, it was obviously a big hit. So it had. They did it in '96. At, uh, the, garden, at the garden. They yeah. did it in '79 when they were doing yeah. the songs from each individual solo album. Yep. And they they did it in 
They did it for the Unmasked tour. Yeah. You know, so, so they, it, it continued for a little while. I guess they can't not do it, right? So it was a big hit. Yeah, I just think that that song is, you know, it's undeniable and it's it's catchy and it's obviously the most single-worthy song on, on the record. That's, on all four records. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. So those are my top three. So let's move right along to the... I, uh, I mean, even that, that song, okay. like, I love the sounds on that song, like those... Weird flanged guitars, yeah, right. like, the, you yeah. know, like the very seventies, very, very cool. Very you know, cool, it's, a, it's a nice sounding. This album sounds With the great. The clap and the stomp, yeah, yeah. yeah. everything. Yeah. Sing along, you know. Yeah. Totally. And the the production of this album is. Am Fuck. I jumping the gun? I'm sorry. No, no, it's okay. It's, cool. it's fucking Eddie Kramer. Um, it's good. Simple. You know, there's a couple of moments of bullshit, like those weird drums on Snowblind, like that kind of seem unnecessary. But bass drums, guitar sounds are. Excellent, you yeah. know. It's uh, a great record. The yeah, that's yeah, it's great. I, I don't. I'm not as enamored with New York Groove as maybe most people are. I like it. Mm-hmm. I th- I always felt I don't know why that it was a touch slower than I than I would. Like if I had to produce it myself, I would notch it up another five mm-hmm. BPM. There's something about it just feels like it's dragging a little bit. That just me internally, my body clock. Wants to speed it up a little bit. I think Eric Carr agreed with you because the, the, the version from the Unmasked tour is much faster. I think he played it even faster than Peter did. So it would have been two minutes and two seconds. Yeah, right. <laughs> two minutes and two seconds. So let's go to the uh, least favorite track, which I know had to be difficult because it was difficult for me. But yeah, it's very um, hard. Let's start with uh, let's start with Tommy on this. Oh, one. you fuck! Um, <laughs> you fuck! You scum! I think I'm in need of love. Is probably was would probably be my least favorite. There's an awkwardness to the melody that I don't like. I don't... Sounds great. I mean, it played well. It's performed well and everything. But there's something about the the choppiness of the melody that... I don't know. It's... If I have to pick a least, yeah. it would be that one. Okay. For that reason. Uh, it's hard to explain why. It's just something about it doesn't sound right to my stupid ears, you know. That's... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ron? I'm going to agree with Tommy. Okay. I'm going to say Need of Love. It's uh, it's uh, one of the longer tracks on the album. Could have been a little... Yeah. Bit... Repeats. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of repeating. and But but it's still a great song. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's, it's part of a great album, and it's not a bad song. Yeah. You know, it's just tough to pick a bad song on this album. Speeding Back to My Baby is a little bit too much. Yeah. But it's totally 70s, and it's rock and roll, and... You know, Katie. You could see Katie Seagal singing background on that one too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, what I said about the Gene album with the with the female singing, like you know, apply that to that. If that song didn't have those, those corny singing, right, it would be a much different song, right? And a much cooler right, song, I right? Think, you know, right. I'll still say in need of love. I'm in need of love. Is uh, I mean, but I still like it. It's not a bad song. It's just my least favorite. Joe, I went with wiped out. I, it's it's a fun song. I like it. It just uh, in certain spots it feels like, you know it's feels a little forced. He's cramming lyrics into you know yeah too many syllables into too short. The room space. was turning. We were burning. <laughs> things became a haze. Yeah, it's like the, some of the lyrics. Like, the lyrics aren't really great on this record, but on that song they get a little even like I don't know more sophomoric. Um, yeah, I, I do like silly. you know. I, I still like the song, but it's like uh, I had to choose one, right? So. Yeah. Well, I agree with Joe. 
I, I chose Wiped Out. And like I said, it, it was difficult for me to choose because I was also thinking, you know, I'm a Needle Love is, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a good song. Is it a great song? Is it better than most of the record? No. But then I ultimately chose Wiped Out because, yeah, I still think in some form or fashion there might have been some editing job done to put that song together. I could be wrong, but I thought about some of those aspects and, yeah, like some of the lyrics, it's just like, oh, yeah, whatever, you know, okay. I agree that I feel like that, that song's a little faster than it should be. Only because he is like stumbling over his own words there, um, but I there's that, a char, there's a weird charm yeah, to it as well. It's like he's, he's you can just tell like, he's laughing during yeah, some like of the fire would have caused the blaze. Blasting it out like he's getting in the booth and there's energy to it, so you appreciate it and you you let it go. The fact that like he's kind of mumbling it out, you know, <laughs> yeah, um, because of that energy, I think that helps it push it along. And I just like the like the tongue in cheek nature of of that song, you know. Okay. The, uh, in Need of Love was almost on, you know, on the chopping block here, but two things saved it. That's there's like that spaced out delay, which I feel just plays right into his persona. Yeah, I, I like that. You know, the delay thing too. It's really cool, and there's that break, that middle break. That yeah, I like that too. Which is like really cool. Like it gets fast there, out of nowhere. You know, those two aspects kind of saved mm. that song for me. I agree. So let's talk uh, about the production. We did go over some uh, earlier, but anything else we want to elaborate on as no, far yeah, as the production I, is I concerned? Think it sounded, I think it's just a great sounding 70s rock and roll record, right at the tail end of the 70s, you know? It, uh, it cemented the Ace Fraley as a, as a viable entity as far as rock force on his own, you know? He, yeah. doesn't, he didn't need the other guys. And I think this kind of was probably the beginning of the end of Kiss, you know? The solo albums, I feel, mm -hmm. was uh, too much, little too much, too soon for Kiss. Uh, Talk to sustain that. Yeah, giant right. Success. They had such a great 1978 uh, or 77. 77. 77. They peaked really in 77. Totally, 100. percent And then 78 started, you know, double platinum. But then the movie and the solo albums, you know, bargain bin. <laughs> The, the 70s didn't end so well. Yeah, those records, you know, they, the solo albums hit the bargain bins pretty fast. Really quick. Like, like within a year yeah, or so. Right, yeah, right, yeah. Those things bad. were swimming in bargain bins, I mean, since yeah. I'm a kid. I got one in 1990 I mean, at the fucking little record store. I got two of them. I got Peter and, and uh, Jeans for two ninety nine at the little record store. Nice. Yeah, they were just Had everywhere. the posters and everything. Oh, nice. You still have those copies? Yeah, they're yeah, right. I mean, you yeah. could, I of think you could still get... <laughs> I still, I think I like to it. this day you could get sealed copies for relatively inexpensive. Am I wrong? Yeah, Peter I've and Jeans, most likely. Orders. One, of the hardest yeah. one to find is, is Ace Frehley's. Yeah, not, not shocking. Of course, yeah. really I bought shocking. I bought uh, Peter me. vinyl uh, over the summer for like eight bucks. You know, a copy of, the, of oh, Peter's that's, album. That's good. Uh, I like you know that this album didn't he didn't add a lot of nonsense. No strings and yeah. horns. You know, the female singing is probably the worst, but. He, it's a rock album, unlike the other. Well, Paul's is also. But. So funny. I went to a I went to a Park Slope during the summer one last year, and I was walking. They had this Seventh uh, Avenue Festival, or whatever. So I was walking around Seventh Avenue. Some guy had a big like record records, hey, mm -hmm. yeah. Some some used ones, some good. You know, it's good stuff. The only one there was Peter Chris Sola <laughs> with the corner cut off, with the wrapper still on. How much? Was it? How much? Five was bucks. I wanted five bucks. You're like, I'll give you four. <laughs> it's got no corner. What the fuck, man? But it's all right. All right, I'll give you three. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> that pink, right? But it's a promo copy. Oh, I'll, give you two. I'll give you two. Oh. <laughs> two dollars. 
So we're ready to move on to the next one? Yeah, who this? Why are you right. smiling? Why do you have such a broad smile? Well, because it's everybody's favorite. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to talk about Peter Chris's solo oh, album. Yeah. Do we have to? We have to. I don't know. You guys are crazy. Go ahead. So this record was produced by Vinnie Poncia. It was recorded at Electric Lady Studios, New York, New York, Burbank Studios in Burbank, California, Sunset Sound Studios in Hollywood, California, all between April and July of 1978. The various personnel, we have Peter Chris on vocals and drums on all tracks except Easy Thing, Rock Me Baby, I Can't Stop the Rain, and he plays some percussion on Kiss the Girl Goodbye. Alan Schwartzberg returns on drums. He plays on Easy Thing, Rock Me Baby, and I Can't Stop the Rain. Neil Jason once again returns, and he plays bass along with Bill Bodine on the record. What do you mean returns? Neil Jason played on Gene Simmons' solo record. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. sorry. uh, As did Alan Schwartzberg. Uh, Stan Penridge, Elliot Randall, John Tropia, and Brandon Harkin all play guitar on the record. Uh, Bill Cuomo and Richard Gerstein on keyboards. Background vocals provided by Vinnie Poncia, Maxine Dixon, Maxine Willard, Julia Tillman, Annie Sutton, Gordon Grody, and Davey, Tommy, Danny, and Jimmy Farger. Horns were arranged by Tom Saviano with Michael Carnahan playing saxophone on Tossin' and Turnin' and baritone saxophone on Hooked on Rock and Roll. The notable guest session player on the album is Steve Lukather of Toto, who plays the guitar solo on That's the Kind of Sugar Papa Likes and, oh, I didn't realize that. and Hooked on Rock and Roll. And Pete, Pete spent the big bucks on this one. And Got Pete, Steve Lukather. Yeah. <laughs> well, Toto had some hits by that point, They right? did. They In did. 78, yeah. 78, yeah. They did. Uh, and as Hold far as line. as far as far uh, singles released, Peter Chris is actually the only member of KISS to have had two singles released from the individual solo albums. First with Don't You Let Me Down, which was released in September of 1978. Did not chart whatsoever. That's why they released the second one. (laughs) I wonder about that, because was it that, or did they think, well, he had the the top ten hit with Beth, so let's give him the second single. Second single was You You Matter To Me, released in early 1979. Also did not chart. The album is certified platinum, once again, as of October 2nd, 1978. And Peter's album was the lowest charting album on Billboard's Top 200 Albums Chart, as it peaked at number 43. So, let's go to the favorite tracks on Peter Chris. Uh, Let me start, because I just want to get this over with. Ron (laughs) is itching to start. I'm itching to end, is what it is. (laughs) Uh, This is not a good record for me. I, 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 when I was a kid, I was a huge Kiss fan. Me and my brother went to the record store and bought these the day they came out. My brother got two and I got two. I got Peter, yay, and Paul Stanley, which was a good, you know, resolution. My brother had Ace and Gene. My brother obviously was the oldest, so he got to choose the ones he What's wanted. the age difference between them? Four years. Mm. Four years. So, um, uh, I, I, when I was a kid, I put it on. I did not like it one bit. Because you're a kid, and yeah. you're not expecting it, and and it's just a weird thing. But I have revisited it a few times later in life. It's it's the worst Kiss album there is, for sure. I would even include like all the 80s and 90s stuff in there. 
it's just not my thing. Sorry. And the ballads are so syrupy. Horrible. Horrible. But uh, I will choose three <laughs> songs I, because I'm being forced to. Uh, God. <laughs> Yes, you, you don't holding, see this right now, but I actually have a gun yeah, yeah, so to Ron's say, head. Pete is holding a gun to my head, so <laughs> I'm going to give you three tracks. I am going to. Uh, I would go with. That's the kind of sugar Papa likes. Oh my god! It's not. T- Listen, <laughs> you want me to choose three songs, right? No, no, that's okay. <laughs> okay. That's. Uh, I'm, I'm hooked just shocked. On, hooked on rock and roll, and can't stop the rain. Those okay. are my three good Peter songs on this album that I must say I favor. <laughs> if you could believe that, <laughs> it, pain, want, it pains if you him. Want to, you know what? I'm I'm cutting my time short because I know Tommy has a lot <laughs> to say about this here. record. Uh, I don't know. Is it my turn? Is it my yeah? Turn? Go ahead, Tommy. So I get why, as a kid, you would get this album and not be into it. Obviously, mm-hmm. right? You know, a hundred percent. You know, you you know, if you're a kid and you're looking at here, Love Gun. Right, and you get this. Well, I mean, it starts off with a with a kind of a fast rocking song. Mm. Um, whether you like that type of rock is different. It's not the kind of rock that you would right. hear on Love Gun. Yeah, one hundred percent. But um, you get to those ballads, and you're you're listening to a guy that's ten years older, almost than almost. the rest of the guys. Right. So when you come time to do your own solo album, you're not thinking along the lines of like right. Gene and Paul. Right. They were know, listening to, to get... the Beatles. He's listening to Sinatra. Yeah. So he's doing or like uh, fucking. Uh, you know, Bobby Darren and shit right, like Bobby that. Darren, I mean, he, right. this guy was playing in bands, you know, much longer than the jazz, other guys. Jazz, that's why he has yeah, such a like jazzy sound to his kind of yeah. shit and whatever. So, for that alone, the fact that here's a guy in the biggest band in the world, arguably, at that time. Hottest band in the land. Yeah, I'm right. sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> Coming out with something that, for him, meant something to him. Even though he probably knows it's going way against the grain. Uh, maybe not because Beth was such a big hit, so maybe it's it's not so crazy. But um, that's I respect that, and I don't love all of these songs. So I mean, don't think that I no, think I know, it's the I best, know, you know? I know. But um, but I appreciate the fact that he was making music that reminiscent of like fifties rock and roll, obviously. That's what he loves. Um, which in the seventies what isn't that crazy? Because Bowie did that shit. And fucking uh, uh, Alice Cooper did that shit. Like, they all did the horns and the... You know, like, mm-hmm. they all did that in the 70s. It was a thing. Sure. But, um, so it's not that crazy in the realm of, like, pop rock at the time. But um, I, I like that he went back to shit that meant something to him, you know? If people didn't like it because they expected something else, I get it, you know? I understand that. Um, but I appreciate it. And if I have to pick my favorites... You picked two of them, yeah. and that's the kind of sugar, which is a great song, a dopey chorus. Sure. If that chorus was different words, it'd yeah. be a totally different type of song. Right. But the arrangement of that song, the chord progression, the performance on it, all great. Like Steve Lukather, that guitar song. That's a good guitar <laughs> song. Like it's it's I'm a shock. I really thought you hated that song. Lukather's a good no, guy. but the thing is, I can I I didn't I'm not like you guys. I didn't listen to Kiss. My I haven't listened my whole life. The last couple of years, my my buddy Steve is a big Kiss fan, Steve Malone, and he had he was reading Paul Stanley's book, sending me like screen caps of it. This is great. I'll listen to this story, blah blah blah. So that Christmas came, and he got me Paul Stanley's book because I'll read any biographies, you know. Sure. Sure. So I'm like, all right, this is cool. And at the same time, I got Spotify, 
and I started listening to shit that I'd never really listened to before. Yeah, so it was a lot too. of stuff like that. My friends, I knew my friends liked, like Joe, you know, like uh, Wayne, like they were always big Kiss guys. And so I'm like, oh, let me check out Kiss. You know, I'm reading the book, listening to the music, and then I started listening to that podcast, Pot of Thunder, this one. Yeah. And those three things combined kind of made me appreciate Kiss that, you know, more than I ever have in my oh. life. I mean, I always had the greatest hits, but that was it, you know? Sure. And um, especially the 70s stuff, it's good. So you're like, oh, this is good. And that's kind of how I got into Kiss. So I don't have the baggage maybe that that you guys going into sense. this album might have. Right. You got you fresh know? ears on it. Fresh ears on it. And, and the whole, like, I like the fact that you were reading the book and, like, and then revisiting the music. Yeah, like, it was you're like, reading it about the song happens. and then you listen to it. Exactly, and, yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, and, that, cool. and that this podcast goes through each song and they yeah. analyze and make fun of it, whatever. It's a great right. show. So it was like, it was a cool way to kind of, like a trifecta. I gotta catch up on my it. pot of thunder. What? I gotta catch up on my pot of thunder. I was going 400 episodes. I was going through the Kiss ones. I don't even remember which one I'm up to. The, um, and because, you know, Joe and Steve, they were kind of encouraging me, I, I got into it. I haven't been, I haven't gotten into a quote-unquote new band in a long time. So it was fun to kind of get back in, you know, like when I was a teenager and I would discover a band, like, except, sure. you know, 40 years after the prime, <laughs> you know? It's a little strange, but it made me appreciate, you know, uh, this stuff, you know? And for that reason, I like this album, you know? Because it's different, okay. you know? Um, so that's one. No, that, wasn't that two? You said that's the kind of Sugar Papa like. Oh, I'm so sorry. Far. And uh, the other one you picked, Ron, was a. Uh... I forgot. Oh, Hooked on Rock Hook, and Roll. Yeah, Hooked Hook, on Rock that's, and Roll. That's your second one. Yeah, great, great arrangement, great song, good rock and tune. And uh, for the third, I kind of like "Don't You Let Me Down" because I like that little kind of cheesy reggae to it, oh, and yeah. it's very '70s sounding, which I kind of like. You know, like. Uh, it, the melody, it's got a nice little melody. Like, I, I think it's cool. There's a I mean, there are more songs from this album nice that I like. But um, those, I guess, would be the three. You know? Okay. Don't you let me down. Let's go move over to Joe. Alrighty. Yeah, I think we all agree. Well, I don't know about Pete yet, but so far <laughs> us three agree that... Uh, that's the kind of sugar Papa likes. I can't fucking believe this. <laughs> is a, is oh, a, sure you can. Is a fucking winner. <laughs> I want so say, much so. Growing up, I got into yeah. Kiss when I was like maybe eleven or twelve, and we're talking like you know nineteen eighty three, eighty four. Mm-hmm. That was when I was old enough to start buying my own records. I was like eleven or whatever it was. So. <clears throat> And then shortly after I got into them, somehow I, I came into a copy of the the Peter Chris solo album. It was probably one of these ones that was you know <laughs> cut out bent floating about, and I would oh I got, it was confound me. I would be like, I love Kiss. Why do I put this on my record player and want to fucking throw it against the wall like one song in like, and for years uh, you know for years and years I would constantly like let me try this again maybe. Maybe, I don't know. I had wax in my ears that day. I just could never fucking figure out what the my hell was... My teeth buds are changing. Yeah, yeah. I, I just did not... You know, th- and this is way before I understood him as a, a person, like what his musical tastes were. I just knew he was in Kiss. Right. And I didn't fucking understand what the hell he was doing. <laughs> I, you know, now... And so I've con- kind of like Tommy in, in a different way, but just now as an older music 
listener appreciator you know now that i listen to country music i listen to just different genres of music folk music whatever it may be so now my ears were kind of like more ready more attuned to mm-hmm. to just whatever he's trying to do here which i realized was not hard rock you know he was kind of whatever doing his more r&b and soul and kind of blues so whatever I guess now, uh, in the past few years, I've been more uh, just able to absorb and, and appreciate it. So yeah, I, I mean that's the kind of sh- sh- that's the kind of sugar pop likes is great. <laughs> and I I will add, um, I got I got married last year, and my and uh, me and my wife and a few of my friends, including Tommy. Oh, Tommy, he guest sang on three songs. We we were the house band. Uh, we well we did like ten songs and then we had a DJ but but uh, one of the songs we did was that's the kind of sugar Papa likes <laughs> wow you didn't hear it I no, thought I, no I thought I sent you the so, clip. I'll try no, and, uh, send it to me. I'll try and send you guys a, a copy of it I gotta see that so uh, anyway just that was just a little little nugget of uh, trivia there uh, the next one is hooked on rock and roll Woo-hoo. just a good it's a good just rock. Uh, old-fashioned kind of rock and roll song, and I love that line. Uh, <laughs> got vaccinated with a Victrola needle. It's like I love that. He just—I uh, don't know if he actually wrote that lyric, but I just like the imagery. Like, like from a birth, from birth, like <laughs> rock and roll was injected. Uh, Smith has a vaccinate your ass with a phonograph needle oh, really? on, <laughs> on Night in the Ruts. Huh. Was that the same year? Night in the Ruts was nineteen seventy-nine. Ah, uh, they're fucking ripped off, Peter. Look at that, poor junkie bastards, all of them. The, uh, <laughs> and yeah, then, who uh, knows? They probably were started recording that in '78. That's true. And they, were, they were they were pretty much in a bad way during that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. Vaccinations, <laughs> and needles. They're into needles. Yeah. That's when they split uh, too. That's when Joe Perry and Brad Whitford yeah, left, yeah, and yeah. then they had to bring in the other two guys to finish yeah. the record. So that's your second, and then the roll. third one. I I like the opener. I'm gonna love you. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you know, um, just has kind of like a funkiness to it. Cool and arrangement. Like, yeah, his horns and uh, I don't know. It's it's a good little opening number. You know, there's a few, there's like three too many ballads on this record. You know, <laughs> like it's just like. Maybe one per side. I think at yeah. one point he like there's like a ballad back to back. I'm like, what the fuck, man? Mm-hmm. Some so. of those ballads were the songs that I mentioned that were written by Sean Delaney. My top three, and again, I'm going into this with the frame of mind of it being a Kiss album, and so you pick none. I pick none. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. And uh, <clears throat> you know, prior to. What happened in 1978? So I had this frame of mind. Peter was known for at that point for Beth, and you know, Hard Luck Woman to an extent. Not really a ballad, but it's it's a softer mm-hmm. rock. It's a soft rock yeah. song. So I kind of went with that route, and also with with the thinking of how would Kiss record it. So I I chose You Matter to Me, Easy Thing, and I Can't Stop the Rain. Wow, all ballads. You maniac. Well, well, you matter to me is not yeah, really that's a quieter it's kind of you know, and, and I'm thinking you know instead of the the, the keyboards and you matter to me, it would be like, like Ace, Ace doing yeah. the. You matter to me. 
Anatomy is almost has like a almost disco. It is. Yeah. It's very very. Disco I, I like oriented. that. I do like that song, and I like that it's very seventies like, sounding. You know? I like that song as a kid. Like, I don't one, mind one of the song. first Kiss records I had was the. I had the Peter Chris solo album in my earliest Kiss collection, so and I used to listen to that one uh, often, from what I recall. Mm-hmm. So I went with those three: "You Matter to Me," "Easy Thing," and "I Can't Stop the Rain." So we we really are on different planes with Peter Chris's record, yeah, which is great. I'm uh, just I'm just surprised that uh, the Papa song is going to be on a podcast in the year 2020. I mm-hmm. honestly that had right. Ne- I really never saw that song being chosen by three out of four of us. Well, I uh, I sent the video of that song that from his wedding to the guy Andy that that does the Pot of Thunder. Like we're friends, you know. And I sent it to him, and he's like, "Do you mind if I play this on the show?" I'm like, ah, you know, like I don't mind, you know. So I asked Joe, and Joe, Joe was cool with it. And the, no, I didn't even tell no, you. No, what? Here's what happened. Yeah, right. No, here's what happened. I'm on my hu- I'm coming home from a honeymoon. I'm on the plane, right, and I'm right. listening to the podcast. And then they start going, oh, we found out that two of our listeners got married, Joe and Sylvia. Oh, and they no stopped, shit. And I'm on the plane, and then I'm hearing that's so fun. audio Damn, I wish of I didn't my know that. wedding that's right, that's right. playing on this podcast. I was that's just like, I had a shit-eating grin. I'm just like, yeah, so they play. So I remember awesome. I kept it cool. I was texting Joe, like, make sure you listen to Pot of Thunder, you know? And uh, and I guess you weren't getting, you couldn't because you were on a fucking island or whatever. An island, the island of San Francisco, Chernobyl, <laughs> Catalina Island, fuck you guys. Chernobyl. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Um, well, you were away and you weren't getting service spot. because you hadn't listened to it. And uh, yeah, so anyway, they played <laughs> it. Awesome. They played our little version on there. So it'll be twice, Ron. That it'll be appearing. <laughs> cool. We're bringing show. it back. All right, so let's uh, move on. It's a Brooklyn on. boy. We gotta represent. You know, we gotta. We gotta give Peter the propers. Are we gonna do a worse song? Yeah, Ron, okay. you want to start this one off? You seem itching and raring to go on that one. Toss it and turn it. Next. Mm-hmm. I mean, listen. That was actually runner. I was toss, tossing between that and <laughs> and I'm gonna love you but as my. Uh, but it's an, third it's favorite. an old standard, and yeah. Yeah, I didn't but, need to hear Peter Chris do it. Yeah. You know, I, just, I see it the same way I see uh, back in the New York Groove. It's a cover song, kind of and right. I feel I feel that Peter Peter's is a fun track. I, don't yeah. know. I do like it, but well, I mean, there's so many other great songs on this album. <laughs> <laughs> what a dick! I'm still gonna go toss it and turn it. It's just it's unnecessary to me. That song, uh, I just don't like that specific song. I think if he would have picked a different song of that era, of that era right? I would have yeah, liked Tulsa it better. Isn't a great it's just song, not my right. great. I, he, he does a service. He does a great job singing it, but I just don't like that. It's song not a great right. It's that a great was song. that was the solo song he was playing live. I believe. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yes. That, that was the song that Kiss played in, on the '79 Dynasty tour. Yeah. They didn't there. even play one of his originals. Yeah. Weird. I was there. I went to the bathroom. <laughs> I remember. But once again, Aces was the song. You're all mad. He remembers it remembered distinctly. Did you really? Are you serious? Oh, that would have been great. I was there, though. <laughs> it would have been great if you remembered when you went to the bathroom. Like Mary oh, Lou Henner with, okay. that, with that... Toss it, uh... sir. Oh. <laughs> Here, I'm <laughs> BRB, Dad. <laughs> I was with my dad. Yeah, there you go. It's 10 years old. So Joe, what, what would be your least favorite track? I really don't know. What do you go, sing? Anybody? Throw a dart at the phone. I don't know. Maybe, like, kiss the girl goodbye. It's a little... That would be my choice. Sappy. Huh? There you go. Oh, so we have... Tommy already made his choice. So Joe and Tommy both think that Kiss the Girl Goodbye is their least favorite. Uh, I went with Rock Me Baby. 
Uh, yeah, the one that Joe picked is that would be my mine as well. It's the okay. shittiest of the of the ballads on there. We're gonna get to the. We already did the meat with Ace. So let's talk. Now we're gonna get to the potatoes. Let's talk about the. <laughs> let's talk about the production. What do you guys think of the uh, album production? Sounds overall? fine. It does. I mean, it's a good sounding record. Yeah. Like I said, all these solo records, man, they could afford all the good shit by this point. Yeah. There's no reason that any of them would have put out a record that sounded like Hotter Than Hell. And one of the draws um, for Peter to to work with Vinnie Poncia was that he had worked with Ringo Starr yeah. on yeah, some man. of his hit records. So right. yeah. there's definitely something the to Ringo be said. The Ringo album from 73? Is oh, it that one? He, well, he oh, did okay. work on that. Every time I sing yeah. over <laughs> Yeah. Ron, Ron Ringo. <laughs> Ron That's go. a great album. Ron Ringo. <laughs> and it's also, it has similar style, like the, that kind of old 50s yeah, porn yeah, stuff totally. on it and shit. Totally. Um, I think this album sounds really good. I think its performances are really good. Some of the ballads are a little, like you said, syrupy with a little too much like reverb and shit on them. Yep. But um, sounds are good. I love the songs that he plays on drum wise because you could hear it. Mm-hmm. You know, like they, they, the drums sound better than they, they did on the Kiss albums at this point. And um, he's got that like kind of lazy, swingy kind of playing. Right. That when they sound nice and clear, and you're like, oh, that's that's Peter. You know, you hear the way he has a certain way he hits the snare drum and shit. Mm-hmm. It sound, it sounds good. You know, oh, and for his sure. Voice is great, man. He has a great voice. I mean, considering that you know, in the middle of making the record. He had this like really bad car yeah. accident. You know, I read in um, Lydia Chris's book, Sealed with a Kiss, that um, I gotta read he, that one. He he got you know he got pretty badly injured to the point where his hands were basically all like bandaged up, yeah. but right. yet he still managed to play drums on some of the tracks with his hands bandaged wow. up, which. You say what you want about Peter Chris and his, you know, mistakes and, the, the, and his prima donna attitude. Yeah, but I mean, if he really, if he did that, that's 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 pretty amazing. That's bullshit. You know, yep. That you, I got to commend him for that one. Was the reason why he didn't play right on like the Dynasty and shit? Wasn't it because of that accident? Well, it was that, but it was also Vidi Poncia didn't really feel confident in him playing drums on the record. No, I thought that which is had a lot. To, you know, says he, a lot. Yeah, his yeah. own producer on his solo album yeah. ends up producing yeah. Dynasty, and he's just like, I don't, I don't really see him capable of mm, right. playing on this entire record. So that's why he was relegated to like one track. And they got Fig, and they got Anton Fig to play on the rest of that album. So that all said, I think we should move on. Play uh, the tracks. Night, night. You need to play your tracks. No, no, we got to move. Oh, do we're, oh we're making the album. That's right. Oh, jeez. Appropriately, I'm going to say we're going to move on Paul to ah, Paul Stanley's record. Love it. Nice pun. Yeah. <laughs> produced, produced by Paul Stanley and Jeff Glixman. As I mentioned earlier, Glixman was off the project after half of the record was done, citing that he felt like he was being treated more like an engineer rather than actually producing. The album was recorded at Electric Lady Studios in New York, New York, and the Record Plant Studios and the Village Recorder in Los Angeles, California, between February and June of 1978. The main personnel, we have Paul Stanley, lead and background vocals, rhythm and lead guitar, acoustic guitar, and Ebo. Bob Kulik, lead and acoustic guitar. Steve Lacey, electric guitar on Love and Chains. Steve Buslow, bass on tracks one through five. Eric Nelson, bass on tracks six through nine. Richie Fontana, 
drums on tracks one through four. Craig Cramp, drums on tracks six through nine. Notable guest player on the album, we have Carmine Apice, plays drums on Take Me Away, Together as One. And there was only one single released, which was Hold Me, Touch Me, released in September of 1978, which peaked at number 46 on the Billboard Hot 100 singles chart. Another top 50. Yeah. And again, the album, just like the other three, was certified platinum as of October 2nd, 1978. And the peak Billboard album chart position was number 40 on Billboard's Top 200 Albums chart, which hmm. you would have thought Paul Stanley's yeah. album would have charted higher, being the actual lead vocalist yeah. of the band. Yeah, that is weird. As a whole, Kiss did well. You know what I mean? I don't... I don't, I don't like, when we were kids, we wanted Gene. You know, that's what it is, and that's... You like I the think. Muppets. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Sesame right. Street fan. Right. <laughs> so let's shoot right over to Leave our top three favorite tracks individually. Let's start with Joe on this one. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> oh no. Tears are falling. This is a tough one. <clears throat> I agree. I'm going to start off by saying uh, I never really. Um, not that I wasn't a fan of this record. I'm just. I'm not overly familiar with it. I didn't own it for a long time. It's only in the last ten years I've been listening to it more, like streaming. Mm-hmm. I don't even think I do own it. I would have to. I may have. Picked up a copy at one point, but I don't. I really like um, "Ain't Quite Right." Mm -hmm. Good song. It's a good song. It's very. It's like mature sounding in a, Mm -hmm. a cool way, not in a forced way that I feel sometimes. He's trying to, (laughs) trying to pull off. Um, I don't know. This just it it almost reminds me of um, the Gene Simmons songs. what was the one that I that was more ballady that I liked on on his album? Don't recall. Uh, Jeans, you always near you, nowhere to hide. See you tonight. Yeah, always near you, nowhere to hide. These two songs kind of have to, to me. I don't know why they pair up in a weird way. Um, they're just kind of slower songs, more serious. Okay. But but I I just like Paul's approach here. I think I'm gonna go with a second. I think I'm gonna go with move on. Good has energy. It just has a lot of energy. It's a fun song, you know. Uh, just I like his. It's his like cadence. When he was a baby, his mom gave him. Yeah, it's it's just like that classic kind of like rock and roll like story, you know. Like Mama told me, you know. And then I don't know. Last one was a toss up between Tonight You Belong to Me and It's It's All Right, but I went with It's All Right. That one to me sounds the most like it could could have been a a regular Kiss song. It has a lot of familiar kind of chord structures that they were using in the past previous uh, couple of albums. Okay, uh, it just seems like a you know right in the pocket Kiss tune. Just happened to be uh, on his on this solo album. I think those are three good ones. All right, Tommy, what about you? Um, I'm surprised, Joe, that you didn't pick one of you like to know me. So I feel like that's probably the strongest straight ahead song on the album. Uh, sounds like it would have been and should have been the single. Um, I'm surprised like, it wasn't. No frills, rock song, great melody. I, I didn't choose it because I don't feel it. I feel it sounds like Paul Stanley trying to emulate 
like cheap trick. Well, I, I was gonna like say that cars too. Or so. I don't. It's just. It doesn't really sound like. You would probably say yeah. the raspberries. It does. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. It well, definitely. I, I was gonna say that too, Joe. That it definitely feels like a song that's more of the time, of like like that new wave kind of stuff that was going on, like Tom Petty and. Elvis Costello, like it has that sort of rhythm to it. I was going to say Elvis Costello. Uh, There's a, a few songs on this album. Um, but, but I don't think Elvis it sounds Costello. like like he's trying to rip that stuff off. I think he sound, like it's well, it sounds like it sounds like he's gleaning inspiration from it. But for, it, to me, it's distancing from me as a Paul Stanley fan. Uh-huh. I'd rather him just, just be Paul Stanley, right? <laughs> you know, pull, I know, pull I, from I, his own. I just think that's a great. That's song. one of your choices. That's definitely one of my choices. Uh, the other one that that you that you picked already was uh, "Ain't Quite Right." I feel like that has a cool like uh, late seventies. Like I could I could see like Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers doing that song. Yeah. You know? No, yeah, yeah, um, totally. And and it's a like Joe said, it's a good song. Like it's a it's not a dopey song. Like this this <laughs> the uh, <laughs> lyric wise, I mean, like this album. Uh, there's obviously a theme going on with this album, and it's like a. More vulnerable Paul Stanley, not, not so much mm-hmm. of the the pussy hound Paul Stanley, and that song, like Joe said, is it sounds like it's a more mature song. Like he's not trying to write for a teenager, or even like trying to write about his libido. You know, was that ain't quite right? Was um, it? Yeah, yeah, ain't quite right. Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. So that would be my second, and it's also slightly different. Like it's. It's not a ballad, but it's it's got a cool like right. creeping plotting kind like of rhythm kind to of it. Dirty, right. yeah, like you could hear like a southern rock band like kind of laying back and, and, and doing it, you yeah. know. Uh, so, and, I, and that's a good one. Good performance, sings great. The solo is really cool when it comes in. Uh, it's a nice build, you know. And the other one, probably it's all right. Again, like he said, sounds like the most close to Kiss without. Without making it seem like he's trying to do a kiss song, mm-hmm. right? Um, good song, succinct, you know, to the point, straight ahead, you know, good good rock tune, good melody, um, and I but I do want to mention uh, um, tonight you belong to me. I think is a really good song. That in but without that intro, I think the intro really was because I feel like he was trying to say like. I'm gonna do this really quiet, sensitive part, and then kick it in, like Black Diamond. Like it's been done already, you know. Right. And I think if he were to kick the album off, it's fair. With just you know going right into the heavy part, it would have been a cool album opener. But it's a good. It's a, another really good song. Okay. It almost made the top three. Oh, I Ron. Oh, this is very different. I have very different opinions about Ooh. this album. Tonight you belong to me is my top choice. Yeah. Songs a rip. Songs a ripper, man. Great opener, you know. Uh, I saw him do this live back in his solo tour. The Ritz. In the Ritz and Lamore. Awesome. And it was oh, cool. fucking fantastic. Uh, I'm going to say Tonight You Belong to Me is my first choice for sure. It's okay. great, great fucking song. Off-color choice for me, I'm going to say uh, Take Me Away Together as One. Uh, there's... There's... Like the chorus is really cool in that song, and it's and it's heartfelt, and it sounds like he's really he's emoting very well in that song. I I I really like that song. The beginning of it, I I do the verses are a little weird, but mm. when he gets to that bridge and the chorus, fantastic song, a very underrated Paul Stanley song. Yeah, it's a great song. And my third choice on this album is another one out of left field. I'm going to say goodbye. 
It's a really good song. Goodbye too. is a great song, song too. Song. Goodbye, like great album closer of all the schmaltzy yeah. right of all the schmaltzy album closers that Kiss have, you know, used throughout the years. This is a more fitting and a really good song. It's yeah. just a really well written song. Everything about it, man. Like it's got like a weird sound at the beginning. Kind of sounds so bombastic and like kind of like uh, like an orchestration of some sort. And it just goes, and it's just a good rock and roll tune, and it's a, and like you said, great album closer, great mm-hmm. album closer. So those those are my three choices. Okay. Well, my top three favorites. I also chose tonight. You belong to me. I just you know I I like the intro, like the quiet intro, and and how it transitions over into the the heavier parts for the rest of the song. I've liked. Wouldn't you like to know me for a long time? And I've been of the thinking like. How did they not release that as a single? So good. You know, like, you know, Hold Me, Touch Me is released as a single. I still don't get that choice. Very, yeah. uh, very, very dumb choice. It, it's like the choice of the Peter singles on the Peter. Yeah, it, album, it, made, it made absolutely no sense to release uh, Hold Me, Touch Me as a lead single for a Paul Stanley record. Because that's them trying to be different. They're trying to, like, they're thinking too hard. Like, how Persona. Are we gonna, how are we going to appeal to a 14 year old girl? Yeah. yeah. Like Paul's the lover boy yeah, of all Kiss. the persona. So they were yeah, tr- right, yeah. the persona of Kiss. That I mean, that's what made sense to me anyway. Gene was radioactive, you know, like yeah. In that sense, Ace should have been fucking ozone. He should have been ozone, yeah. right? But yeah, but I guess <laughs> well, they, they must have heard New York Groove, and they were like, yeah. "That's a hit," and they were yeah. right, you know. Right. But I don't like this song. Fuck you. Yeah, go back in the. Yeah, I don't want to do this. What is song? It? Go the back over to the ozone. Shut up and take the drugs. <laughs> but I'll say this is a tough record, man. Yeah, this is, a, this is a, it was. This is one of Kiss's best efforts, and it's not even a Kiss album. My my third favorite is one that I agree with Ron, and it's "Take Me Away Together" as one. Nice. I mean, yes, if it were recorded by Kiss, you wouldn't have the drumming of Carmine a piece. But still, I think you know if if Peter was going to play on the record. Uh, I would think that he could have put together a pretty competent uh, drum take. Sure. I don't, I don't see why he couldn't have. So those are my three. Tonight You Belong to Me, Wouldn't You Like to Know Me, and Take Me Away Together as One. Nice. Mm. So let's, once again, the so we had a, this. I could be wrong. This might be the one that has the most variants. Yeah, we are. This is the one with the most choices. Time to wrestle, boys. So Let's go. Shirts I'll use, off. I'll use the old pun again as we'll move on. Get the baby oil. To our least least favorite tracks. Okay. I'll actually start this one because it is move on. Even when it was on the best of the solo albums and it was like 1988-89 and I was borrowing my cousin's cassette and I would, I would listen to it. I was just not really that much into that song. I don't love it. And still no. to this day I'm just kind of like, yeah, I could tolerate it. I could listen to it. I could appreciate some parts of it. But overall, I, it is my least favorite song on the album. To me, that's the, it seems like concert filler, that song. And that's it's, the song they did. That's the song yeah, they did in 79. It yeah. seems like, you know, it's good for a live It's good for a live performance. It's fast. It's upbeat song. It's, it's kind of has that old rock and roll like uh, ethos to it. But um, just a mediocre song. You know? It's a tough choice for me, man. Ron, next? Yeah, it's a tough choice. It's uh, like just like the Ace album. There's, there's not a bad song on this album. As far as I could see. Even Hold Me, Touch Me is a good song. Yeah, Hold Me, Touch Me is, is definitely a good song. It's just kind of an it's oddity. It's a good ballad. To be uh, on. I'll, I'll agree with you. I'll say Move On as well. Okay. Move On, I do like it a lot. I like it a lot. But I have to pick a least favorite, so that's the one I'm picking. It's it's still a great song. Paul, 
This whole album, like when I was a kid and I heard this album for the first time, I was blown away. Like I was, I, this was probably my favorite one for a minute, you know. And then mm-hmm. I heard Ace more, and I was like, oh man, Ace, I'm <laughs> so good. But the Paul Stanley album is is right up there with Ace, man. This album, th- these two albums, really, if if they would have put these two albums out as Kiss albums, what would have happened? You know, like think think of the possibilities if they would have went. Like, if they would have put out this as a Kiss record instead of Dynasty Next. And yeah. The Ace album as a Kiss record instead of Unmasked. Yeah. I mean, the, the whole game could have changed. But this is a... It's a great record. I'm just going to say move on because I just like it. And then on that note, let's move on to... Uh, Joe or Tommy? Who, who wants to let's go, go first? Let's go back around. We'll go around Robin. Uh, hold me, touch me. He's... There you go. I don't, yeah, I don't need that. It doesn't doesn't do anything for me it kind of sounds a little like I, I know that's the persona like you were saying but it sounds a little forced and, and a little yacht rock yeah like he needed <laughs> to have that kind of song uh, it's like well we have to fit the quota of, of types of songs so let's have that type and I, I don't like it I don't even think it's that great of a song you know like uh, nothing to it that really melody wise like it doesn't it does nothing can you run? Tommy, I'm telling you. I know that time. We're going home tonight. Magnet, you know? Joe? Uh, Least favorite. I went with Hold Me. Wow. I just think oh, it's look at that. syrupy. Yeah. I, I don't like that song. and I, It just sounds like a a theme song to like a, <laughs> a, a syrupy like melodrama mm. or like a bad TV movie or something. Yeah, melodrama. That's a good That's a good <laughs> description of it, I think. You know? Oh, look at that. It was split exactly. It doesn't sound two authentic two. to me. You know, like it sounds like a... Well, I mean, I only like move on slightly better yeah. than that. Yeah, you know I mean? like slightly Very worse slightly, than that. Slightly, I mean, right. but, you know? this this um, album sounds like uh, like he he was a different type of persona right. than like the the star child of the Kiss albums, and I you know you appreciate that. Yeah, right. You know, like he he was I, a I, writing a different kind of song. I, I think that's what kind of confused me about this record at first. Yeah, maybe. it doesn't have that. Cock yeah. of the walk kind of. It doesn't have. You know? It doesn't have that. Like you know, I'm gonna take you to bed. You know. Yeah. Right. Like that shredding. It is unique in that sense. Paul move Stanley. on is move on is like a. Yeah, I mean, there's kind of a, a there's a couple the of glimpses of the song. Womanizer. But, well, Tommy, he made he brought up the word. It's like a it's vulnerable, Paul Stanley, and uh, I don't know. I guess I wasn't quite ready for that when I started listening to this record. I was like, hey, I want I wanted. More of like this confident, you know, take on the world type of Paul Stanley, and, and it's a little split on this record. Do you think this album had any influence on Prince? <laughs> I'm, I'm not kidding. Really? Like with the purple and you know the oh, very shit. femme and the whole kind of like. Kiss's first album. But he was he came out in Kiss's his first album is in '74. Yeah, but he didn't become the Purple yeah. Rain guy until much really? later. Yeah. Oh, wow. like, I don't know. I, I feel like that, you know? Like, I, I get that vibe. I mean, the Star Child and the Prince persona are, like, similar in a yeah, way. Yeah, they both kind of do the have the high heel dance. Yeah, a little, little they, effeminate, you know, but they yeah, still get tons and tons right, of ass. Yeah, it, right. it is a possibility. Effeminate poonhounds. Yeah, they both have <laughs> chest hair. Prominent chest hair. Prominent chest hair. You know, high heels. They're both probably really tiny without the high heels. <laughs> Jewish I, get, I get a real Prince vibe from this album, and, and vice versa. Like, I got a real Paul Stanley I, yeah, vibe I when I first saw that, Prince, but, you know? All right. all right, so we're going to 
take a little break from recording and we're going to put together our overall cohesive KISS record of 1978 had they not recorded the solo albums. And so we'll come right back with our choices and the album sequenced. Gene's clean. A pussycat. Almost. This isn't funny. All right, so we're back after deliberating over what is going to be our final KISS album of 1978 had there not been four individual solo albums. So here is what we've agreed on. Side one will begin with Tonight You Belong to Me, followed by Radioactive, then followed by Hooked on Rock and Roll, and then New York Groove, and then side one will close with Ain't Quite Right. Side two will open up with Rip It Out, followed by See You Tonight, and then That's the Kind of Sugar Papa Likes, followed by Wouldn't You Like to Know Me, and then the album closer will be Living in Sin. So without further ado, here is the I Am Vinyl Podcast Collective Kiss Album of 1978.
So you just heard our collective Kiss album of 1978. What, good, that was good. what a good record. Amazing. Good I'm job. exhausted. <laughs> Joe is exhausted. So are the rest of us. So we're going to wrap up this discussion, and we will come back soon with part four, where we will discuss 1979's Dynasty and the follow-up album, 1980's 
Unmasked. So I want to thank you guys for joining me here once again. Tommy, thank you for joining us for the very thank first time. Thank you for having me. Thanks, nope. Tom. Can I, can I, can I fucking plug my stupid shows? Sure, go ahead. All right, the Jack Kirby podcast and the Hoof podcast. Oof. If you guys liked uh, some stupid shit that I said, listen to those shows. And I'd like to have all you guys on. Joe's been on already. Come on, guys. I love it. Be proud to be Talk on. Talk about some stupid shit. You got it. I'm in. All right, I'm gonna. You mean like we just did? <laughs> <laughs> So look, look for us to be on Tommy's shows in the near future. Yeah, and the hoof and Jack Kirby. Thank you. Thank you. All right, thanks a lot, guys. Good night, everybody. And there you have it. Part three of the I Am Vinyl Kiss Roundtable Discussion. And I'll be looking to get the guys together for part four sometime within the next few months. And that is going to wrap it up for this episode of the I Am Vinyl Podcast which I hope you all enjoyed. And as always, I encourage you all to please check out our other shows here at cnjradio.com, The Wrestling House Show, Rock Strikes 10, The Synaptic Empire, Talking Rock, and The Last Theater. So until next time, thank you so much for tuning in to the I Am Vinyl podcast, and we'll see you next time for our next episode right here at cnjradio.com. Dot com. 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 Com.